Hi, and welcome to episode 468 of the MWA podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sean, Mark, and Brian, just fresh back from Handworks. But today, we're excited to have both Blake Laurie and Jason Gallagher returning as our guests. Blake and Jason are talented chairmakers, instructors, and all-around nice guys. At least, that's what they tell me. Um, today, we're going to visit with them about a massive project of 100-plus Windsor chairs and bar stools they recently completed for a local restaurant to Blake in the uh, Waco area. Now, we're going to mainly dive into you know this big commission, but if you want to find out more about Jason and Blake, you can listen to their previous episodes. Jason was on episode 311 and 312, and Blake was on episode 370 and 371. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you much. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Welcome. Fantastic. Well, uh, before we get into the, um, the the big project, so to speak, um, let's dip our toes in the woodworking news. Now, as I said, we are fresh back from Handworks, and I saw two new travelers there, one from Peter Galbert and one from Fabiano Serrera if I'm pronouncing that right, which I'm probably not. But uh, anyway, um, they were absolutely fantastic. They were at the Greenwood tent, and um, they're not posted out there for sale yet, but they will be very shortly. And um, I encourage you all to check that out, and uh, we will have links in the uh, in the uh, description of the podcast to their various websites and Instagram pages. So you can take a look at what they're doing, but uh, they were absolutely uh, fabulous travishers and I uh, encourage you all to take a look at them. Uh, and so I'm not a travisher user and mm -hmm. I did not actually put my hands on those. Um, mm -hmm. Can you describe maybe, I know Brian, you, you got your yeah. hands on too. Like what's, what's new ish without giving too many specifics. So you can't point them any people at them right now but yeah so uh well pete has them on his instagram but, but the, the galbert traverser has like a wider almost like a uh a palm rest where your, your hands will kind of sit so it, it's more of a natural grab than a skinny uh um you know like a claire minahan style traverser so it, it's kind of a more of a natural feel and it's a little more comfortable in the hand okay. uh, the fabiana one is kind of the same concept but in a different spot it's um pete's kind of comes more up like a uh, ear fabiano's kind of comes more out like a u uh but they're both very very comfortable and it's just a nice natural swoop your hand and it scoops the the you know the, the saddling out really really well yeah, yeah um, i think the i think the 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 main mistake that people make with travishers is they grip the the they grip them like handlebars on a bike yeah definitely uh, yeah. and so by making the the handle's much bigger. You you can't really close your hands around it. You're you're actually forced to kind of rest your hands mm -hmm. on top, and right? Pinch with your forefinger and thumb, and that's really how they're meant to be used. So um, it's kind of like you know the ergonomics forcing you to use it the right way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now now Pete did say his were made for you to you know actually like you said rest your hands on them and push. He, he I think his uh, standpoint was you're using your arms more than your hands to to move. Right, his, his larger muscles, yeah, larger yeah, muscles, yeah, yeah which made grip. which made sense. But you know, when I tried it out, it took me it took me a while to get used to it. And he goes, "Yeah, it's easier to teach people that haven't used a travisher than oh, it is people coming okay. from what they're used to. You know, yeah. you got that muscle memory built in." So, so you're uh, used to compensating or, or gripping yeah, a little differently. Yeah, because yeah, I was trying to pinch it, and he goes, no, don't pinch it. Just push it with your the palms of your hands, you know, with, oh, using your okay. arms. Yeah. 
So, okay, okay. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, I think it, I think it'll be a, a good game changer because, you know, he you know he demonstrated and I and I myself did it. Uh, you know, taking some real fine cuts as well as some real deep cuts. So you know, kind of the best of both worlds. But anyway, yeah, excellent. But yeah, we'll have links to their Instagram feeds in the uh, podcast descriptions, and hopefully they'll be out on their website soon for sale. So I think if you contact Peter Galbert and uh, both Fabiano, you can get on a uh, waiting list or Fabiano might have one or two left in stock. I don't know if he sold out of them or not for sure. Probably did. But anyway, but moving on, speaking of something I did pick up, uh, Dave Jeske has a new joinery saw out there and uh, it's a pretty cool saw i really enjoyed it, it kind of looks like a bone saw but um for um you know david jesky was the um i guess the proprietor of blue spruce tools until he sold mm-hmm. the company to woodpeckers and he's just got back into tool making i didn't ask him about that i assume he had probably some sort of non-compete for a few years anyway but uh yeah he's back at it and he has a saw and What's interesting about it is kind of looks like a bone saw, but it kind of performs like a coping saw. It's got this thin blade with a very thin curve and these fine, fine teeth, uh, kind of like a Japanese uh, pull saw would be. And in fact, these are manufactured like a Japanese pull saw, except they're designed for the push stroke. So um, it kind of looks like a combination of a coping saw with a dovetail saw with a, you know, replaceable, very fine tooth blade. And it has absolutely a fine, fine curve. And, um, I had it for one apple. I picked one up cause I had an application for it making my jigs and, uh, I used it uh, a couple of days ago and it worked absolutely fantastic, much better than the, uh, than the pull saw was using to, uh, to do that operation. So excellent. So I, I think I would describe it as a combination between a, uh, dovetail saw and a hacksaw. No, that, yeah. that could yeah. work too. Yeah. 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 So and it's the, even thinner imagine, than a dovetail saw. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you imagine a, a hack hacksaw that's a lot shorter with a yeah. blade that's a lot wider, but also much thinner and much easier to control. Yeah. The blade doesn't the blade doesn't turn. So like a coping saw, you would you can turn in a cut. This is definitely not made for that. Yeah, you um, do have to tension it kind of like a coping right. saw. But yeah, that's yeah. I uh, the Matthias, my 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 travel buddy, uh <laughs> bought one and pulled pulled it out and said do you want to try this and i was like yeah i never got a chance to look at him in, in dave's booth and oh my goodness uh amazing amazing saw so easy yep. to cut like if you're cutting those french dovetails with the really tiny pins at the bottom you know where there's just like two or three fibers of wood between um the tips of the pins mm-hmm. uh, this is the saw um i mean you can you can literally start to cut right back in the same spot and go off at any other angle you want so mm-hmm. very impressive saw yeah, we uh, our MWA booth at Handworks was in the Mark's Plate Eleven, but we were I don't know fifteen twenty feet from Dave Jesse's booth, and I I was doing pretty good <laughs> until Kyle, until Kyle Kate went over and says you got to try this. I'm like, damn it! And so I ended up bringing one of those home too. So oh, you got one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a great saw. It's um, I really like that it's on tension, um, yeah. so you can really control it. I mean, it's a super um thin curve but you, you do have to be you know cautious of the teeth you can't crank that that saw plate when you're having it in there um yeah. yeah but it's 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 gonna be a good seller for dave i think yeah if you bend the blade you just put another one on that's another thing about it yeah. it's uh yeah. it's yeah, they're they're blades. yeah they're like yeah. japanese crosscut teeth well no they're they're well 
I don't know. They're kind of a combination, right? They're yeah, they're I think they're file grip so, and, and cross cut together, yeah. right? Like Are they, cause they, there's no, there's no, is it flame on them? Cause it's, it's just like those little kind of double beveled razor teeth. Like there's a uh, lots of flame, like a, no set, no set. Thank you. No set. Yeah. Lots of flame. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. um, yeah. So I'm mean, super thin. The blade doesn't go any wider than the, the, well, yeah. the teeth aren't no, are no wider than the blade itself. So it's just going to guide right down the cut clearing yeah. with a, with a push stroke though, where your Japanese saws would traditionally be a pull. Yeah. And it's definitely and made for thinner material. You don't, yeah. The, right. the blade being so thin, it will overheat quickly, but the tension mm -hmm. will keep it straight longer. So it's, it's really interesting concept. Um, it's right up Dave's alley. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, so it's Blake, carbon did, fiber and aluminum. Yeah. Blake, did you get a chance to try it out? I sure did. It was great. Um, you mentioned it being a bone saw. Hopefully that doesn't actually occur to anyone. <laughs> it just <laughs> looks really like it with, with that yeah. frame it, and that, that not yeah. thick but tall yeah. blade. It just looked like it to me. Yeah. No, I, I was really impressed how easy it cut rip because, you mm -hmm. know, generally you've got a little bit coarser teeth and you want a little more set, but it just, you know, the stroked right through that material. And then you switched to a cross cut and it was just flawless. So whatever the grind and geometry and all that is it i mean it is surprisingly efficient in both directions so I, I sure think it's a winner mm -hmm. yeah i think um yeah and at the at handworks he gave you an extra blade if you bought it there which was very nice of him oh, i didn't but, know that darn it yep <laughs> see and, but, but i but i think uh both brian and i had the same realization as we were checking out oh this just cost me 30 bucks more because i gotta check a bag back yeah exactly well next i want to move on um crucible uh tools or lost art press and crucible tools uh crucible is introducing their new engraving tool and um, it's a very simple to utilize uh, engraving tool that um, Chris has been using for some of his uh, American peasant furniture. It's uh, basically it's putting, you know, shallow curves and lines on um, all kinds of cabinetry that the uh, Eastern Europeans used to do. They would call them spells, you know, to ward off bad luck and things of that nature and they would uh, decorate some of their cabinetry with uh, these quote-unquote spells and this is a tool that you can use to make those spells and uh, I know he's been working over a year on trying to find something that would easily um, make these little engravings and uh, he finally came up with one and uh, it's relatively inexpensive it's $27 um, and it's basically based off of looks like a little head of like a exacto blade and there's mm -hmm. a little cutter in there and i think just from our experimentation he was able to find some stuff that would uh work to do that so it can do both straight lines and curves it will actually fit into a uh, compass so you can um, use a compass to uh with the tool as well as uh just using it to make straight lines so yeah. i think the shell like, lines uh... are about a sixteenth of an inch deep so to speak yeah, it, it looks like a you know a, a carver's tool like a mm -hmm. like pottery or even I have a pumpkin carving set that has very much cheaper you know blades like this where it's just yep. it's it's a carving blade yep. for sure. But the application and that ferrule um, you know attachment so that you can draw it or or spin it on a point like pretty slick. Yep, and I have a off label um, I guess 
uh, technique I'm going to try to try with this uh, tool. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, interesting. Oh, so you already he, have one on order? Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> he was kind enough to let uh, the subscribers to his American Peasant uh, Substack get a get a first crack with it. As we're recording this, this will be uh, out tomorrow, but um, it's actually live out on the website as we're speaking. Yep, but, I uh, see it. Anyway, and uh, also he has the uh, death grip glue out there. So this is a gelatin base adhesive similar to, you know, basically a high glue. But um, it is made, uh, you know, for it's a little bit more clearer. So with, you know, some of the liquid high glues, if you uh, use them, you know, especially light colored wood, the glue line will show up as a dark line. So this is a little bit more. I guess uh, lighter, so it doesn't transmit that glue line as as much as you know your regular hide glue. I think Tybon and old brown glue. So yeah, um, no, no urea in this. It's just salt. Yeah, it's just salt, salt is the is the retardant yeah. on yeah. this one. Yeah. So which so that means it'll it'll draw moisture more readily than um, the old brown glue. But I don't mm -hmm. know how much of that you know, putting it in your house. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yep. Yeah, so um, he's offering that. It does have to be heated up a little bit, um, but it's uh, $16, which is not bad. And um, it will last indefinitely as long as you keep it like in your fridge or something like that. So, yeah, it's made out of gummy bears. Yeah, yeah. yes. Not really. <laughs> I, I was hoping they'd come up with a vegan alternative to a high glue, but I guess that didn't, that didn't pan out. Maybe that's, 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 that's uh, undeath grip or undead grip or something like that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's death already out of stock. Deathless, deathless grip would be a good name for that one. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I think at the time of recording, it's out of stock at the moment. Well, I'm glad I yep. picked Notifying. up my bottle a few hours ago. But I, I, I really, yeah, I really like the the indefinite shelf life is stored correctly. And then, like, I do a lot of maple, and this is yeah. going to dry really nice and clear, so you're not going to get dark glue lines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So anyway, so you can check that out. Uh, like I said, links will be in the uh, description, or just head on over to uh, lostartpress.com. Are they going to put a label on it that says not honey? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they put it in honey, in honey bottles. <laughs> it's not, at least it's not bear, the bear bottles. <laughs> it looks you just know? like honey, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to get some really surprising salty uh, biscuits or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as I get it, I'm going to have to tell my wife, do not use this. But I imagine if you had family with kids and all kinds of, I don't guess it would hurt them, but you know, it's, no, it's it not going to be very taste sweet. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> It does mention that dogs find it delectable. So yeah. okay. <laughs> it's got something going on. There you go. Well, for our last time, I'll turn it over to you, Mark. You have an well, announcement? <laughs> if if you uh, wanted to take a woodworking class next year, it seems like every teacher, every instructor, every school uh, has, has opened their schedule for registrations, including myself. Um, so, and um, I opened mine up uh, Labor Day, which was, you know, the Monday after Handworks, and half of my classes are sold. So, um, I think that um, the appetite for woodworking classes is growing again. I think maybe um, last year, kind of people held back, but uh, yeah, so if you're if you're wanting to take a class um, from a specific instructor or at a specific school, you better get online and mm -hmm. and see if you can get a class. So, and thanks to all those people. Um, that that registered for my classes. It's good to know that going into the next year, I'll have I'll have some things to to teach. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Blake and Jason, what about y'all? Y'all teaching? Yeah, yeah Blake. Uh, I've got, got my schedule pretty much formulated. It'll probably be about another week, so maybe close to when this is released, I should have that 
up on my website. Uh, so really excited about that. Um, yeah, some exciting new things coming this next year. I've, I've mainly taught the Democratic chair, um, and that has been a huge hit, but I think it's time for something a little bit fresh, and we will be talking about that chair later on. So Awesome. <laughs> Can't wait. Fantastic. What about yourself, Jason? Yeah, I don't have my uh, my class scheduled together quite yet, but maybe I need to get going here. <laughs> Seems like everybody else is doing. <laughs> All the cool kids are doing it. Come yeah, on. Exactly. Right. So no, but in, probably in the next couple of months, I'll have next year's class uh, classes. And yeah, I, I saw even today, um, School of Woodwork down in Florida. Kate, they on their social media, they were teasing, like putting up the teachers and saying registration open middle of September, like just like it's out there, and so. If if the, the interest is there, and Mark, obviously you're saying that, um, maybe snap. If you find one that's interesting, snap it up when you can, because yep. seats are selling fast. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, go ahead. Oh, I I would add if you if the class you're interested in is you know sold out, go ahead and put your name on the waiting list. Oh yeah, yeah. they yeah. they definitely come available from time. Yeah, to time. and I my my going forward, I plan to um, release my classes like sixteen months before before they come out. And that's just because um, the feedback that I've gotten from students is their, their big, one of their big frustrations is that, you know, their jobs require them to schedule vacation eight months out or more. Mm -hmm. And um, so basically, you know, if I wait till September to list a January class, I mean, uh, those people are out of the, they're off the, they don't have any choice. They don't have a chance to get in. So uh, I'll, I'll be teaching basically like a group of classes in the winter and the early spring and then a group of classes in the fall so before each of those seasons i'll release the se the same season but a year ahead right oh um, makes sense yeah so twice a year i'll be releasing the schedule and that's kind of what this is i mean this is a september release for spring classes right yeah well this is this would be late for me so I, i'm not yeah. um i wasn't i didn't have that i didn't have a schedule laid out but now that we've kind of figured out a system for scheduling to keep everyone happy in the house um as I, you know, I'm not really a lot of help when I'm teaching a class. Very, very helpful to my students, not helpful to my family. Uh, so, uh, so it's kind of like I'm not here, but I, but I also I'm making a mess at the same time while I'm around. So, um, so uh, it's it's usually like a, a very uh, serious negotiation to pick class dates, and uh, so I decided, you know, I, I'm going to find a way to black out the things that we always can't seem to agree on and then find the spaces in between and then i can book out you know great stretches ahead of time and it's and no stress yeah. so mm -hmm. cool yeah. cool and i imagine even though you're not around for the family you do have some unreasonable demands during that oh time, yeah too. like <laughs> yeah like like uh, uh can i have some dinner <laughs> like i'm gonna teach till eight tonight or seven tonight you know is there is there gonna be leftovers <laughs> so yeah yeah so it's it's fun that's the life of a woodworking instructor at home yeah yeah you're yeah. you're a bold one to have kids at home and most maybe aren't in that same situation well i don't yeah. know jay jason's got a few kids and blake i know you okay. have a little okay. one yeah, yeah well mine's yeah. back in school i don't know if you might have been talking about homeschooling like mine's back in school so that's oh, that that's helped. not an issue but he's still around you know he's still got you know i still have to go to scout meetings and that sort of stuff during the mm -hmm. school class weeks but I get it. You yeah. you realize how much gas my wife gave me just for going to Iowa, and my kids are my my youngest is a senior. He's driving himself, and she well, was that's, like, that's "What do you mean you're not going to be here for three days? Oh my god!" <laughs> that's why I don't try to teach classes away from the house. That that would be yeah. an even bigger uh, negotiation. Yep. Yeah, for yes. sure. 
Well, why don't you say we move on to our Patreon shout-out? So who do we have to thank this week? Uh, you know, we like to always give a shout-out to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're giving that shout-out to our friend and just recent uh, guest on the show, Robert Tolnai. Robert, thank you, sir, for your support of the show. Um, I want to say we we met at, at this previous handwork show we were just at. Uh, more than a few of our supporters. So uh, thanks to all mm-hmm. of you guys. Yeah. It was great hearing directly from and and the surprised look on some faces when they realized who they were talking to, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, definitely um, the support of our patrons helped uh, it helped pay for our food at while we were staying in Amana, Iowa. And it is much appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you... Uh, listener, if you're not already a supporter, if you'd like to support us, go to uh, patreon.com slash MWA podcast and throw us a couple of shekels there. Yes, please. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, we also, while we were, I guess, at Handworks, we had some, you know, administrative discussions around the podcast. and um, <laughs> Breakfast talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we want to attend more events like Handworks, but we, you know, of course, we need, we need some uh, support to do that. And uh, what we're thinking about doing is to uh, turn on ads for the podcast. So um, I thought we'd make just a brief announcement about doing that. It will help us be able to, you know, go to more events and bring back the news from those events and hopefully be, you know, give you some uh, more content. I think you'll see some of that coming up in the next few episodes when we have the interviews from both the uh, Texas Woodworking Festival and Handwork. So um, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll turn on ads and uh, we'll, uh, you know, want to solicit feedback that y'all may have. And of course, we do have a, uh, we will have an ad-free feed if you are a Patreon supporter. Um, so if you do uh, subscribe there, you get a ad-free feed too so you know that's a that's a another bonus for being a, a patreon supporter so absolutely yeah. and please your feedback is always listened to mm-hmm. if you have any thoughts on this any questions on how it's going to work um as we're still figuring it out please <laughs> uh write in email comment whatever yep and uh and we'll, we'll be more than willing to to talk to you about it yeah i mean i, I have to say this is the first event that i've done uh since i started co-hosting and um it was i i had a great time meeting all the people who either knew who we were or realized who we were as we were mm-hmm. talking about something else uh and i and hopefully I, they had fun doing that too and I, I think that you know we had we were going to discuss this as a possibility but going to this event made it kind of like a no-brainer like you know we 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 rented a house together um I was mistakenly thinking that we had enough money in the bank to pay for the Airbnb and it ended up being like 10% of the Airbnb. Yes. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was prepared to pay. I had to be there for my show for, for my event, you know, to man the booth, but um, I, it was just so much fun. So I think having an opportunity to, to show up at more events as podcast members and, you know, have things like a sign and shirts and stickers to give out, um, you know, that's what that kind of funding makes Absolutely. available. And, um, and, th- and then the other, um, oh gosh, where was I going with this? I lost my, <laughs> my train of thought. There I'm it hand it back. Don't gone. worry. I can edit this part out. It'll, oh, no, no, no. It, it'll come back. Uh, well, you, you guys know me. I, I forget where I am in mid sentence all the time, but, <laughs> um, 
And we're we're not yeah. talking about a lot of ads either. It's just just a couple. Yeah, of, yeah. No, one, one or one or two, depending. What we want to do is find a way to not interrupt our talk. I've listened to a few that it just like cuts mid sentence. Yeah. And if we can control that at all, definitely want to. Um, but it's just a way of of possibly yeah. helping us. You know, yeah. It's nice that Kyle's in that tiny state of Texas that he can just just drive over to the Austin School of Woodwork and <laughs> and go to their show. Um. My well, drive Blake, to Blake Iowa from, from Houston to Austin is just down the street. It's just down the road, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, my, you know, I, I was more than willing to drive to Iowa to pick the guys up who flew in. Um, but that's a seven hour ish drive for me. You know, there all these things, there's expenses that we would be more than happy to have a little help on to make it a little easier. You know, uh, it's, to get more and 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 we're talking you, we don't know the events coming up we know you know there's probably going to be another texas show there might be a fine woodworking show in the future handworks might come back at some point we don't know how how you know it's this is necessarily an annual or biannual you know we'll we'll figure that all out but any support um yep. will definitely go to good use trust me we're not stuffing our bank accounts here we're just trying to <laughs> soften it a little bit yeah the other thing i was going to say the thing i forgot was uh, also kyle has a, a a list of people that he met at the event that are in really interesting people that we want to talk to on the show. Oh yeah. And, uh, that event being at that event uh, is what made that possible. So uh, that's another reason for us to yeah. at least once a year, go to an event, get together and actually uh, have a two way conversation uh, yeah. with some of the other woodworkers out there. Absolutely. Listeners and, and otherwise. So cool. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll make this as painless as possible, but mm -hmm. um, hopefully, you know, give us some feedback on the ads. And, you know, like I said, they, as we get used to these, they may interrupt the program, but we will try to, you know, learn from any uh, mistakes that we do as far as Absolutely. where those ads are placed. Absolutely. With that said, um, let's move into what's in the shop. So, uh, Mark, what are you working on? Well, I'm sitting amongst the aftermath of a three-day uh, post and run stool class. <laughs> um, we, uh, I, if you, if you were at Handworks, um, you almost certainly met Matthias, Matthias, uh, from Belgium. Uh, he was a, he was a, a client of mine. We, uh, I kind of, we kind of talked through his, uh, all hand tool, almost all hand tool workbench build while he was in Belgium mm. uh, over zoom. And then, um, when I heard he was coming out for Handworks, I was like, oh, you got to come down and. Uh, I'm hosting, I'm going to try to do a class after the event. And so he was in and he flew into Springfield here and we drove up to the event together and then drove back afterwards. And he stayed here and, um, put together a, a bar stool and, uh, he did a great job. He was great fun to have in the shop. And, um, and I've had, uh, like one good night's sleep since that ended. And I feel, <laughs> I feel <laughs> infinitely more rested uh, then after all of that whirlwind of getting ready and going to the event and coming back and teaching a class. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, it's, it feels quiet here, yep. which is good. It's nice. That's good. Change. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and if you no. don't know Matthias, um, he's commented everywhere. He's not on social <laughs> media, but, uh, oh. which is kind of a shame, but we will have him in the podcast on, in the, yeah, future. we're going to find a way to talk to him. He, yep. you know, Swiss born living in Belgium and, uh, he Sweden. even sweet or Sweden, sorry, Sweden, yep. Sweden, yep. Sweden. And, um, he, uh, he actually said to me, I think on, uh, 
it might have been Friday. He came up and he's like, "Yep, like a bag penny, I'm back again." <laughs> like, yes, it was such a great personality. He's full of quips and one-liners. Yes, uh, and 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 somehow a guy from there. We were sitting at dinner on Thursday, and we were talking just you know kind of kibitzing about who who we are, where we're from. And he goes, "Oh, Toledo. I've been to Toledo, Ohio." I went, "You're kidding." You're from Europe. Why? <laughs> amazing, amazing stories. Like the, he's he's a fantastic guy. Fantastic. Point of interest. He is the uh, the banjo on the soundtrack to the Lost Art Press sharpening videos. Oh, oh I did okay. not know that. Yeah, he's oh. a he's a, a tenor banjo player. Not, banjo. Your, not your traditional, uh, you know, bluegrass banjo. Yeah, not but, plucked uh, as he said. It's it's strummed and has fewer strings. Yes, it's yes. it's percussion and piano in one. Yes, uh, in the traditional the ragtime. He actually plays ragtime music. That's why he was in Toledo. He was touring mm-hmm. the United States with his Belgian <laughs> ragtime band. We, we should get a, we should get to do a, uh, a like a little jingle for our intro. Oh heck yeah, it, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I'm sure he would be up for it. I, I think I'm going to try to talk him into uh, being a guest a, a guest blogger on the Joint Effort blog because. Um, he, he's incredibly good at documenting his projects. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he, and, okay, we're talking yeah. way too much about him, especially because we're going to interview him. But like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this is all preview. preview. Yeah, this is all preview. You can't wait because uh, he's not on social media. You don't know him if you weren't there. But trust me, you you can't wait to meet Matthias. He's a you cool. You know dude. someone who knows him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Five degrees to Matthias. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, what are you working on? I'm getting better. Um, yeah, well done. I, I understand I may <laughs> not be the only sick? one. Yeah, I got, um, we'll call it an undisclosed viral illness, um, either <laughs> either from travel or from, from handworks. Um, felt like absolute garbage for uh, up until today. Then uh, the day we're recording this is uh, Thursday. Thursday. So, wow. uh, yeah, getting much better finally. Um, and then when I got home, uh, there's a gentleman who lives local to me. He's looking to buy some older iron tools. So he's going to come over and I'm moving some old stuff around. I have an old uh, driver line scroll saw that he's interested in. Mm. And I have an old Delta drill press that he might be taking. Um, oh. Kind of trying to, trying to thin out get a little more floor space. Um, yeah, it's stuff just, you're not using that's just kind of taking up space. Yeah. And then uh, just putting some stuff away from Handworks and uh, trying to get everything moving on. Uh, I have a little bit of traveling work coming up. Uh, and as soon as I get back from that, I want to get some stuff knocked out so I can get on to some fun projects. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's yeah. it's invigorating going to one of these events, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I had a blast. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that later. But we met some cool people. Yeah, we sure we sure did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean, cool. how about you? Yeah, so um, I thankfully I'm not I, I'm not feeling poorly. Uh, I I drove home. I I got I I might have gotten the least amount of sleep on Saturday night to <laughs> Sunday than than any of you. Well, um, did, are you counting the time that you spent sleeping while we were talking in the living room? I, you know what? Okay. So Oh yeah, who's going to so, bring that up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 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 hangover Friday m- no, Saturday morning to the heat of the day. Yeah, it was really just <laughs> whooped me. I mean, I mean whooped me. You guys don't know, but on the way to dinner, you look great. I heaved in the grass. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I was fine, <laughs> but I was done for. Like, that was after loading out. Like, I'm perfectly okay. And, like, I had to go back and, like, get my wallet out of my bag or whatever. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> like, and so that day just destroyed me. But somehow, on four and a half hours of sleep, I drove home. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and just hit the road. But yeah, I, in the evening, once we got back to the house, I wasn't much entertainment for sure. I, I definitely <laughs> dozed off a few times. Um, but, uh, but no, you know what I, I realized, and like you said it, Mark, you know, it's, it's invigorating. Like, um, I'm, I'm, my, my mind is just reeling and I have, I have what I think is like the opposite of buyer's remorse. Uh-huh. It's the, it's the, it's the joke, you know, and even Roy, when he talked, he, 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 the joke was, you know, it was in there somewhere of, you know, don't tell your wife, you know, or don't, you don't want your, uh, your significant other to ask you what you really spent on that tool, whatever, uh-huh. whatever. I got home and my wife's like, well, did you get anything? I'm like, no, not really. I mean, I picked up two shirts, but they were given to me. Uh, she goes, oh, you totally should have. And so I have, <laughs> I have the, the buyer's remorse of the, I didn't buy any. Like, Saver's remorse. Huh? Saver's remorse. Saver. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's like someone, and I didn't need anything, but like, you know, spending, spending two solid days uh, talking to people in amongst one of Mark's wonderful Berea chairs that everyone got a chance to sit in. And I got a chance to sit in just it. I'm not a chair maker. I've never built anything more than a stool, uh, but damn it, it's enticing. And so <laughs> every, you know, looking down all that, I, I mean, I've conversed with the guys like, Oh man, you know, you know, I want to want to build a shave horse. I have a spoke shave, a singular. <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, I do have a draw knife too. So like, like there's something you know brewing there um and sharpen them up man you got a kit I, coming your way so i know yeah. i know i know i um yeah well I, welcome I to the dark side no we can't, I know. We can't have a member of this podcast without that doesn't a, make a chair yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait oh yeah kyle do you have a shape horse two ish <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I know Brian's got one because oh, I yeah. built one for him. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Oh man, it's it 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 was so much fun, and I do and like my my draw knife is not unsharp, so I did take it to like a pine stick <laughs> yesterday and yeah. rounded something that oh. was not previously round. That was it was are, fun. So you are sick. You are sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of sickness. <laughs> You've got the chair making illness. Yes. I know. I know. Yeah. I was actually uh, on Instagram. I was talking with one of the guys we met, and I was like, you know, like I, I had, I had the biggest dose of imposter syndrome because all you guys have built chairs, and I'm sitting there in a chair maker's booth, going, I mean, I, I, I mean, I can talk about this, but I don't actually have experience. Like, I want that experience. So yeah, come on more down. to come. But yeah, as, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, Mark. I looked. I I literally know how long it is to drive to yeah. your place now. But <laughs> but uh, I I it, I did have a bit of reality check as I'm looking around, going, I can I can reach out my hands and touch three unfinished projects. I really <laughs> probably should do that before I I invest too too much. That but, has ne- never stopped any woodworker uh, ever. I know, I know. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. It was so fun, but that—that's about it. Thankfully, just getting back to work and being buried under my—I just got promoted, so new man, oh, you know, managerial roles. Yeah, it's so, it's a, uh, it's been an interesting week for sure. Anyway, Kyle, how about you? Back from the or uh, handworks? Uh, that's yeah. the show. Uh, yeah, what just, do you got going on? Uh, just finished up uh, yesterday, and I'm letting the finish dry for a good 36 hours before I ship it out, but a mm. custom tapered base mm. for my stretcher jig. So um, I've gotten a lot of, well, a lot of, I've made like four or five of these, but um, for my stretcher jig, uh, a lot of these are for, and this one in particular, I've made two for this particular example, are for uh, arm support 
posts specifically oh. for the Velda chair where my standard stretcher tapered base will not fit in it because it's a half inch reamed hole. So I've made these custom ones that are a little bit smaller so that they will fit into that. And um, so, yeah, so I made another one. And uh, like I said, I'll get that shipped out tomorrow. That'll give 36 hours for the uh, finish to fully cure. It's lacquer, it probably is cured, but you know, I like to err on the safe side of things. Um, but um, yeah, so I think I'll probably add that to the website since I've made a few of them. And I think so. we might be hearing about Velda chairs tonight. Mm, Do maybe. I have that wrong? <laughs> Very high likelihood. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So uh, so yeah, so I should probably uh, you know ship one of these up to Blake for him to use too. So. <laughs> well, Kyle, you actually made me one about two and a half years ago, and I use it regularly on both Velda's and the Democratic armchair. So okay. that has been that So I well made six of these. Then. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ship one my direction. Oh. That'll be good. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, like well, I tell all, all the instructors, the first taste is free. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got them on the website, I'll definitely send people that way because everybody usually asks, and it's like, well, I think that's a special, you know, uh, yep. you know, one. But feel free to reach out to him. So there you go. Well, cool, cool. Um, well, maybe that's why I made a few here recently. Um, <laughs> so, um, and uh, let's see. Um, besides that, I'm restocked on drill bits. I hate to mention that because they go like. I go pretty quick. So um, anyway, so if you need one of our chair making drill bits with long Brad point, uh, go ahead and reach out to me and contact me. And uh, uh, I have them in stock. So that's good. Excellent. When they're out of stock, it usually takes three to four weeks before I get them back in. So I'm trying to get better about keeping those always in stock. So we'll see how this goes. And um, next off, I just want to thank everyone that I met at both the Texas Woodworking Festival and Handworks. Uh, meeting our listeners was just a outstanding treat and uh so many people you know came up you know and then hear me talking to somebody and go are you kyle mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they reckon they recognize our voices yeah exactly uh, yes, exactly kyle kyle's head was just expanding it was it <laughs> was getting hour it oh, was getting so big until there was one gentleman that uh, that sean and i were talking to and he looks at me and goes are you sean's dad Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I don't that the show. Yeah. So that kind of deflated my head a, a lot. So anyway, I just like, oh, man. But oh. for those of y'all that haven't met Sean, he is a 45-year-old that looks like he's 23. Yes. So. yes. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Sleep, sleeps four hours, drives six. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sort of yeah. That youthful stamina, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But anyway, so uh, Jason, are you tired of us talking about handwork? So yeah, <laughs> just just a little bit. Just all right, little bit. all right. Let's hear from the only person who wasn't there that's on this call. Yeah. So, so so what are you working on in your shop? Oh man, my shop is an absolute mess right now. Um, I have I've probably got uh, three or four chairs that I've just been working through that are in various stages, and then I have about uh, probably four different new prototype chairs that I'm working on in various stages. And then just today I decided to bash my back wall out um, so that I could expand the size of the shop. My, nice. my boys have this room that was like a master bedroom and it backs up to my shop. And so I was like, they don't need a master bedroom. So I'm pushing <laughs> out the wall. And uh, so it is an absolute tornado mess in there right now. 
Well, that's fantastic, though. That, that's yeah. great. Expand the shop, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You need to mark some uh, pointers and negotiate with the family on your, you know, that's right. <laughs> activities. Forgiveness, never permission. That's the, that's the way you know. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> no, man, I just, I'm so tired of begging for forgiveness all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but no, just I, actually part of the reason I want to expand too is I'm hoping because you know my shop as it is now is like uh, three three students is is pushing it. You know, okay. it's pretty small. It's like fifteen by twenty five, and um, you know you get two three shave horses in there and everybody's tripping over things. And um, so I want to expand it because I'm hoping to try to get you know guys like Blake and everybody else to come out to California and have some fun out here. It seems like everything happens back there. And so, you know, maybe I can get some of these guys to Man. come this way. And, you know, if, if it's so far, you'd have to have, we'd have to have six students or something like that to make it right. worthwhile. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you are, are you the only, or at least one of the only chairmakers teaching classes out in California, right? Yeah, there's, um, so there's, there's, there's two other guys, um, Russ Philbeck, um, I don't, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's actually, I think he's got a couple of chairs, um, with, uh, oh, what was the president? Um, Carter. I think he made a couple of chairs okay. for Carter. He's down wow. in San Diego, but as far as I understand, I don't know that he's, um, uh, um, I don't know that he's fully teaching anymore. I, right. I can't really tell, but he, mm -hmm. but he does some stuff down there. Um, and then there was a guy named Dan Stalzer who was doing some post and rung. And it seems like he's fired that back up in the last year. Um, but I don't know how consistent he's, he, uh, he is. So it's pretty much me <laughs> for the most part, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, from, from, from our side of the Rockies, it's really hard to get over that hump, <laughs> but, but, but there has to be a lot of people looking on that side of the mountains that, you know, just in your area. I mean, obviously the West coast is a big coast. Like there's, there's, there's spread the word and, and expand your shop to accept them. Yes, if you build exactly. it, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. If, if you build it, they will come. That's right. Just bring Hopefully. some bring some white oak with you in your luggage. And you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll have the I'm, students bring I'm, their own white oak. I might there be able go. to convince my wife to go for like a two week, you know, uh, Yosemite, mm. and mm -hmm. then uh, and then I'll teach for a week, and then you know more Yosemite or <laughs> something like that. Um, maybe run up to Washington State and see. Uh, Rainier or something like that. Mm -hmm. be nice. a fun trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, so Blake, gotta, what, what are you working yeah, on? Yeah, I've got to put in a good plug for Jason. He's got the best blue oak in the entire country. <laughs> <Does not. laughs> yeah, if you want some, Blake, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be sure to get some to you, you know. So for a little context, that stuff <laughs> is probably double the hardness and uh, texture of live oak here. So, really? <laughs> Holy yeah, it is. It's something Ooh. else. Jason is a determined chair maker. He has my respect for some of the some of the materials <laughs> he's got folded. <laughs> what do you call that oak again? It's called blue oak. Blue oak. Um, blue oak. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a white oak, but that's just kind of the colloquial. It's also iron oak, mountain oak. You know all the different names they come mm -hmm. up with, but um, it's uh, it's interesting because it looks very similar to um, some of the white oaks that I've seen back east. Um, yep. It has the same the same lobes on the leaves and and uh, the bark structure looks the same and um, even sometimes the the wood itself but it's like it adjusted to the arid climate and it has these teeny little leaves and it is like a tree I've cut down diameter uh, trees that are probably you know maybe nine inches in diameter 
and I've counted 90 to 100 growth rings on them. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. so just Holy super, cow. super hard, super dense. Um, it's, yeah, you'll regularly spark your chainsaw if you cut that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. Just a quick look. Uh, native and endemic to California, very common within its narrow range, dominating yeah. almost half of California's oak woodland. Like that's an oak that's only there. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we have a number of those trees here. You know, I don't know if it's the, mm -hmm. the mountain ranges or what, but there's something know. about the area that, yeah, mm -hmm. coastal ranges, foothills, uh, mm -hmm. Sierra Nevada. So, yeah, not, I mean, I got plenty of red oak, white oak just in my area. I've got a huge old growth maple, cherry, walnut. <laughs> I mean, all the natural, you know, domestic woods prevalent in my area, but you know, not that one. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Be thankful I mean, you don't have this. Stop selling like that. You know, oh, it's so hard. It's so tight. It's like we have this only found here. You can have a one of a kind chair <laughs> made <laughs> of this California lumber never found anywhere else on earth. Like it yeah. is a selling feature, not a bug. Just add go. one right. week, one week to the length of your class, and you'll get it done. <laughs> and, and I'll add a couple zeros to the end of the price on the chair too. That is <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. The new sharpening stone. Oh yeah, add, yes. All the carbide. All. Bring two sets of sharpening stones, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The world's most durable stump chair. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It would make a good carving stump. It's going to be there. Well, yeah. but, you, but tell them about that, Blake. <laughs> Oh Very boy, fills your hatchets. yeah. So it's a it's a small tangent, but the class that <laughs> Jason and I got to do out in California, uh, I didn't. I was limited as far as what I could bring, so I was like, "Hey, Jason, you think to be able to supply some of the carving stumps that we use?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." So he had his trusty supply of blue oak dashed away, and out it came. <laughs> I think he was trying to get rid of it. I, I still don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> Those got transformed into some really good looking, uh, kind of like a wafer, you know, a little cut. And then he put three legs on there. It works great, except for the fact that we went to kind of dish out a little recess so the parts wouldn't slide around. And with a, a chainsaw with a fresh chain, it was all we could do to like put a little impression on the tops of those things. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and literally sparking. And then, uh, it, yeah, and then, so we proceeded to use them. Uh, that's all we had. And I think I brought home every axe that looked like it was serrated. I mean, just from hitting that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's like kryptonite. Yeah. Is it yeah. like full? Is it full of silica or something? Like, what's the. It's just that yeah, hard I mean, on its own? I don't know. You know, it, it's. There, I, I feel we are in such a. Uh, in terms of hardwoods, it's so crazy out here. There's just like nothing suitable for chairs, at least. Well, for anything, really. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff but i've been meaning to see to, to go down to uc davis and talk to some of the biologists at some point and just be like hey can you explain like what is happening here with this wood What's the deal with iron oak <laughs> right right <laughs> wow that's wild well so anyway so blake what are you working on in your shop i think i saw saw a little bit on your instagram feed yeah so like there's a never-ending array of things happening but whenever a class comes around you kind of stop everything get ready for that right oh i've mm -hmm. got I'll be doing my first belt of chair class starting Monday um, and super excited about it. Um, so I've been turning all the parts for that. That's been going well. A um, couple of the guys that are coming, uh, they've taken classes with me before and I think it's going to be a, going to be a great class. Love, I love building that chair and there's been a ton of interest. Um, and so I actually little tease. I hope I'll be able to at least offer one of those classes uh, in 2024. So pretty excited about that. Um, uh, yes, yeah, the 
attended the uh, woodworking festival down in Austin. That was two weekends ago and then handworked last week. So kind of trying to get unpacked actually from the Austin show. Um, both of those were just outstanding. Such a great opportunity to meet folks and, uh, you know, get the word out about classes and a few different uh, products that I'm, I'm promoting. Something else that's new, I posted about it a little while back, is I finally um, produced some of the acrylic templates for Curtis's Democratic Chair, um, something that I've been talking to him about over a couple of years now and sent him a few renditions of. And um, so his plans, for those of you who don't know, they, they show all the different uh, turn parts, only they're not turned, they're just shaved. But that is at the dry dimension. And so what you need to do is you've got to have a template that allows it to be oversized in just the right amount to where once it shrinks down, you've got enough material there, especially in the tenon area. But also you don't want it to be too oversized um, or you have a hard time drying as well as it's you got a lot of material to remove once dry. So anyway, um, this is more of just a supplement to Curtis's wonderful plan. They're acrylic. Um, and so you can actually place it on the component and align the longwood fibers better to that uh, to that template so those those are available now and uh, should be on my website here in a few days so um yeah a few new things going on well, that's awesome. cool that's that's fantastic now i saw you turning those legs and i have this as a question later on but i might as well ask you now uh tell us a little bit about the dust collection setup you have for your lathe i've been you've had a couple of posts out there uh with y'all doing some stuff and i'm just like uh, so how well is that working? It's pretty ingenious of what you came up with. Sure. Well, as Jason can tell you, we turned, I think, 1,600 parts without it um, for some strange <laughs> reason. <laughs> uh, that is a sneak preview into maybe the pace that we operated on this big order, which I know we'll get more into that. Yes. But um, uh, shortly after that, I actually did another run of a, about 20, 25 chairs in the same same style. And I realized I've got an afternoon. I need to figure out something, you know, as far as this dust collection goes. So um, it it took me about an afternoon to kind of figure out how I could build it um, where it collected well, but did not get in the way of our little duplicator jig. Um, so that was, that was a little bit of a head scratcher and then certainly connecting it into the um, dust collection. So I currently um, have that on the, the lay that I have out in the machine shop. So that's that's separate from the uh, chair making shop. I still have a lathe um, on a side room in the chair shop, and I would like to get uh, some some form of dust collection on there, primarily for standing. Um, but the one where we were using the router, um, it made all the difference in the world um, being able to suck. It, it really collected probably 80 to 90% of the chips that came off, which was a, a ton of volume, you know, very quickly and obviously healthier, but that would allow the template you know, to ride a lot easier without, mm -hmm. without a lot of material in there. So be yeah. more than happy to share, share pictures or dimensions or anything on, you know, that, that might be a help. It's got two dust ports. So one up, you know, kind of towards the top where shaving coming directly off of the turning will catch. Then it's got an angled floor and uh, right in front of basically the little template that the router follows is a, is a good size slot. And so the, the shavings can fall through there, you know, via section and then go out the secondary uh, dust port. And I've got it connected to a very large dust collector that we use for the planer and all that. So really high CSM, I think, yeah. uh, makes makes a huge difference there. Um, but I think even on a smaller collector, kind of having that that uh, 
double-edged sword there, those two port, ports really does help. Um, and then when you get to sanding, I would say every bit of sanding dust goes right down that. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool just to, just to, you know, be able to sand along and uh, just kept the whole chop clean. So yeah, apologies for that we didn't take an, an afternoon and do that while he was here so. <laughs> well yeah I, th I think you definitely need to post some picture you might even be able to sell some plans or something like that that is cool yeah i saw something a few years ago that i think uh glenn uh, rundell had on some of his lathes but that looked like something with, that was manufactured for the lathe specifically to mm -hmm. collect chips and stuff but yeah if you're getting you know 80 90 percent of chips i would be i'd hell i'd be happy with 60 50 percent of the <laughs> yeah. well yeah. the other thing i saw you do and it wasn't on the lathe of the dust collector but uh you just pulled out a, a random orbital and sanded the part on the lathe while it was spinning and yeah. i don't i mean that's just like a no-brainer when i saw that i was like oh come on <laughs> this is so <laughs> such a great idea like i, I you know because yeah. you're not pulling strips of paper off continuously and um you know you've got dust collection times two you know you've got the Right. The one inside the sander and the one, whatever you've got, you know, on your, um, on your lathe and the two of those together makes for really clean sanding. So yeah, I've already, yes. I've already, I've already picked that up and put it into my routine for sanding. So thank you. Well, for that. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. I think the primary thing, and this may or may not be obvious is it eliminates the cross grain scratches. You know, if you're just mm -hmm. sanding with a normal strip of paper, which we actually did both. I found that using, we actually just got uh, belt sander belts and cut them down a little bit. And those mm -hmm. were actually much quicker. So what we did was we did a rougher grit um, utilizing that. To and dial then, in the shape. Exactly. Yeah, remove some of the, the router marks and all that stuff. Or mm -hmm. even if you're just turning gouge, that would really help you refine it. And then instead of having to shut the lathe off and sand with the grain or anything like that, I mean, that, that random orbit, just took all of those out and left such a great surface which is a huge plus when you've got that that many parts to do but i'm with you i've kind of adopted it and that's kind of my go-to you know standing stuff on the lathe now yeah yeah i saw that too and went oh well hell i spent all that money for that little attachment thing that goes on my drill just <laughs> yeah should have just yeah. grabbed my rabidor or with sander and used that but i totally <laughs> it's like yeah. Darn it. And then you're also using, which is a technique <laughs> I've seen, but I haven't tried yet, is uh, using the block plane on the uh, on on the lathe too. To uh, I guess instead of using like a skew or something like that. Yes. Well, I mainly just use it on those real long parts that have okay. a, you know fairly flat shape. Um, mm -hmm. And as you get those like those posts for Velda's chair, um, as they get to closer to their target dimension, they're going to want to chatter more, right? Yeah. Kind of whip around. And so I've found not only do you have the sole of the block plane, so it's going to stand maybe any little high points, but it chatters a whole lot less uh, mm -hmm. than, you know, than trying to bring it in with the gouge or, you know, even the skew. Um, so, yeah, super helpful on those, uh, especially long parts that want to whip. I would say any part, though, that has a real subtle shape like that, um, I think I first used one of those on a lay that at Caleb James, that's a class from him last week. We did a modern Danish chair. So even though the parts were short, that was just, it was super helpful and kind of dialing in a little more of an even, um, arc than you could, you know, you could get with the, uh, with the roughing gouge. So. Well, fantastic. Well, that's, that's absolutely great. Well, that finally brings us to our main topic and let's talk about the big commission. So, um, 
I guess I'll probably direct this this first question to Blake is, you know, just tell us a little bit about how this large commission, you know, you know, landed in your lap, so to speak. Sure. Well, uh, it was kind of came to be during an unfortunate uh, set of circumstances, but there's a, a well-known cafe just up the road from my shop, about five or six minutes uh, from me. Uh, been there close to 30 years uh, and uh, just much loved restaurant. And I'll, I would typically take the whole class up there for lunch, you know, one day a week, you know, while I was having classes in my shop and uh, it's excellent food. But anyway, that uh, the whole building burned burned down the night of Christmas Eve last year. Um, fire started in the chimney late at night. It was a really cold, windy night. And, uh, you know, they had shut the whole fire down in the actual fireplace, but something was burning way up high. And it wasn't until the middle of the night before that kind of made it made its way back down. And so certainly a, a big loss um, for, you know, for obviously the owners and everyone who, who loved that restaurant. So the, uh, I think the plans for the new building began very shortly after. And there's actually a, a video series that they've just started releasing on that. If you go to Cafe Homestead, uh, dot com as well as Cafe Homestead Instagram, you can find links uh, to those. You could kind of watch the entire uh, rebuild process if, if you'd be interested in doing that. Yeah, I'll um, put that in the but, uh, podcast description. Sure. Yeah, there's several uh, episodes already released, and then there'll be a couple more coming. Uh, you know, kind of breaks it down to different different phases of the project. Um, but when they went to rebuild, their hope was to employ as many uh, local craftspeople and some even not so local, but to have the, the building fully furnished uh, with, you know, handmade local items that could really um, kind of kind of speak to the craft of the building and the craft of the food they were serving, right? Um, and so, um, obviously, being connected with them, we started some uh, preliminary discussions as far as, you know, how many chairs would this be if we, you know, if we we're mm. going to build them for an entire restaurant? Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've, I've never been super risk adverse and uh, maybe a little uh, <laughs> hard in the head at times. And so I, I signed up for it pretty early on, not knowing the details. Uh, Jason can confirm when I when I first contacted him about it, I told him, yeah, well, we're going to need to make about 50 chairs and you know, we might have about six months to do it. Um, so six <laughs> months later, we, uh, we ended up building 120 chairs in three months. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Um, wow. Well, that is that is cool that the restaurant wanted to uh, contract out the local craftsmen to help furnish the place. That is that is very that's very unique and very. Um, I mean, you know, it you know it makes it makes the the old restaurant kind of um, new again with all the you know actual furnishings and all that stuff done by people around it. it's a real real way to uh, bring the community into the whole project mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's really cool. really cool yeah yeah and did uh, they, so did, go ahead. they understand the complexity of what they were asking <laughs> no I, I, I did you explain I it to them <laughs> 20, 20 minutes of chair well, fine. so i, I want to yeah, yeah. get jason's reaction so blake gives you a call and goes hey you want to help me build some chairs and what would you say yeah. Well, I mean, you know, initially, like you said, it was, you know, it was a much, much smaller order. Mm -hmm. Um, and we didn't even really talk about me coming and doing it. It was just kind of a conversation about, Hey, here's the constraints that we have. And, um, if you've got any input on a design, you know, shoot it my way. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, kind of just took off with it. And so, um, you know, started drawing things and came up with a little prototype and we were working things out back and forth. And, um, 
next thing I know, I'm, I'm flying to Texas with a bag full of uh, wooden parts and, <laughs> you know, we assembled it and, and uh, presented it to the, to the owners. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, and, you know, and, and initially too, uh, we didn't even, we didn't even really talk about, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really talk about me being a part of it per se. I think it was like, you're just wanting some input. And then, yep. um, and I, you know, I kind of had my fingers crossed. I'm thinking the whole time, like, oh man, I'll order this size. Like, yeah, I hope he asks me to be a part of this. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah, so I flew out and that was that. Well, when y'all were designing the chair, so, um, what factors did y'all have to consider and stuff like that? I mean, obviously you got to assemble a lot of chairs quickly and those kind of things, but you know, in the design, what, what were you trying to do as well as to make a, a, um, uh, you know, a good robust chair that's going to stand up to the strains of, you know, kids to, you know, more heavy set people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jason, Jason, you want to take that? Cause I, you really, yeah. you really jumped that design and I couldn't believe it. I was getting pictures of like an assembled prototype within days of our conversation. It was nice. It, I think Jason told me, he said, when I get a B in my bonnet, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah i can get a little obsessive sometimes um but yeah no that that whole yeah that whole uh it went quickly so i i would say the you know one of the main constraint was obviously the time right we didn't have any time to do um to do 50 chairs let alone 120 chairs um and then uh contemporary they wanted something a little more contemporary and um which which is good because that kind of lends itself to to simpler forms and simpler shapes right. mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, I thought, okay, man, we've got to, let's have as minimal parts as possible. Um, what can we get away with, you know? So three spindles, that's, that's easy. It looks nice. Um, and we shortened the chair a little bit um, to make it easier to turn those parts on the lathe, you know, because you can't, you know, you couldn't turn a, a an 18 inch spindle on a lathe like that. It would just be, especially with the router, it would be, um, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think you could do it. I mean, maybe, Maybe if you had one of those super fancy duplicator jigs with the little blade that cuts and everything, but, um, but yeah, it was really that it was, um, it needs to, it needs to be contemporary. Um, we have no time to make it. Uh, and so it was like, okay, let's, let's figure out what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, Blake called me and goes, Hey, you think your jigs would help in this? I went, yeah. My jigs are made for, you know, kind of one-off, a little run, you know, especially doing right. a variety. You need something that's dialed in just yeah. for a yeah. chair. And they came back with, hey, do you think your jigs could do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if nothing, I mean, that, that is what yeah. your jigs can do. And it takes that little bit of guesswork. So you set that thing and go bang. Yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But, Once it's laid but, out, but you drilling. don't want to have to set it up for every hole. That's that's the thing. You want something. Yeah. Oh, well, you just hold it. Yeah. A fixed well, when, version of the of yeah. your adjustable jig, basically, mm -hmm. right? When when you exactly. when you were building a hundred chairs, you buy five or six of your jigs and you have them all set to all the particulars you need, right? <laughs> right. In, in in some respects, it all depends on what you're doing. Is I you, know how, how you do it, but uh, I think y'all did the good stuff. So you know, how long did it take y'all to go through uh, the prototyping process? You said you were pretty. I mean, was it? Um, so, so you, how many prototypes did y'all make to submit? What did we end up with, Jason? We had your original that I feel yep. like mm -hmm. we got a lot of feedback on that was super helpful. Yeah. They, in, out the gate, it was 
it really was close to what they wanted. Um, they were they were really excited about it. We you know we discussed a few details, and then there were certainly things from our perspective as sharemakers, you know, wanting to refine. Um, but I think I think all we did after that was create a second uh, prototype in the mm-hmm. ash because we, want, we wanted to do um, a, a, a sample finish for them as well. I think that was that that the finish color quality all of that was really high on the priority list for them um and so we went ahead built the one in solid ash and got approval on that one and uh and ran with it so <laughs> i don't know it was it was maybe a a week week and a half total um as far as you know working through those those few iterations um and just you know obviously um looking back it would have been wonderful if we had had months to kind of play around with it and we will probably talk about more in the process but kind of get our heads around how do we how do we build these because that was that was the thing is you know jason and i've each you know built quite a few chairs but that is a completely different system and so we didn't even have the opportunity to build the jigs needed ahead of time and kind of test those uh it was literally we would get to the next step in the process and we would have 120 feet blank sitting there we would have you know 500 (laughs) legs and it was like okay what what exactly do we do on this <laughs> so yep. it, it it was pretty a pretty amazing project to be a part of um obviously working with jason and the entire team that you know kind of got behind it um but but just to kind of relearn chair making on that level um and, and be creative be innovative figure out you know get into it a, a little ways and realize well we're gonna have to modify midstream <laughs> you know this yeah. is this is a little too laborious or um, we've got you know, we've got a little bit of a, a, a better result that we could achieve here so um, I, i'll just mention as far as the design as well one of the other key components was the durability i mean putting them in a restaurant mm, right, right. is i mean it's like the ultimate test um you know this place is five miles up the road and i've grown up with you know all the people that run it and so we had a lot as far as reputation riding on the line and so it couldn't be just a, a cram and get it done and meet the deadline but have something that's going to fall apart <laughs> over the next over the coming year so we really we really prioritized uh, the design we beefed up all of the turnings over you know a conventional windsor turning even you know even a similar size chair which i feel was was really helpful you know fit crest um you know solid ash seat um and so i i really feel like all that's going to pay off they've They've literally served thousands of meals there since opening. Um, sometimes awesome. up to five, five hundred meals in a day. It's just been, it's just wow. been an incredible, you know. And uh, go up there and look at the chairs. And obviously, we're just a few months in, but the, the finish and everything still just looks looks fantastic. So, um, yeah, there's just one other comp- major component was how do we build this efficiently, but also, you know, to stand the test of time, <laughs> whatever that right. would be. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be fixing chairs for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was, I was trying to fix their old chairs. So I had a lot of incentive to, Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to you might actually right. lost money on this deal long term. <laughs> yeah. That's a phone call from Blake. I will not answer if they start falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so what, what wood species you mentioned the prototype was an ash. So was, was everything an ash or did y'all uh, do any, any different species of woods? Yeah, so we ended up going with ash, just okay. recognizing they wanted they wanted an ebonite finish. And, oh, uh, okay. We, yeah. So we we felt bits and samples that you know obviously ash is beautiful, where you still get that grain that that mm-hmm. pops through. Um, so <laughs> one one little side note uh, before we even 
settled on the chair commission, uh, we went ahead and we built all the tabletops that they were going to need uh, for the new cafe. And we were able to utilize those as, at a temporary location that they had set up, you know, so they could reopen. Uh, and those were ash. And so there was kind of a neat harmony, even though the tops were stained, you know, and clear coated, having the same grain pattern from the chair to the table. It, to me, once you put it all together, that really, really harmonized nice. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, and, and the availability of ash we were able mm -hmm. to find a wholesale supplier actually up in missouri um and we we ordered in i don't know it was 2500 board feet of eight quarter ash and so being able to, to get that quantity at a you know somewhat <laughs> reasonable price for that just that just helped everything out as well yeah i Have noticed you, when we were up in iowa the prices on the ash they had they were pretty nice but I think yes. they're going through the whole ash borer thing. So I'm sure they're taking trees down to act as a fire break and those kind of things. There's so. a surplus now for sure. You just wonder how long it's going to hold out or if, you know, ash is going to be the new chestnut here in, you know, yep. a while. Yeah. 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 I have some nerdy uh, chair maker questions about the design mm. and the, and the ash. Uh huh. Did you, uh, did you all bend the crests or saw them out? Well, we uh, we ended up laminating them. Uh, Jason, you oh, want okay. to talk about that a little bit and kind of the reasons? Yeah. So initially, um, the first prototype, like the first one that I made in the shop, that was more of a you know I think I I think I used uh, I think I actually used some pecan I had lying around for the legs maybe or maybe it was some oak but um, it was a pine seat and then it was uh, it was I just cut the crest out of a uh, six by six piece of uh, fur because I just had it lying around and I was like this doesn't need to be anything special mm. we were just trying to get get the first draft out um and then um when we got out there um you know what blake i've forgotten some of this now it's been why don't, why don't you take the crest part <laughs> sure so i think part of what was driving us in the design and the approach was how repeatable can this be and so um and we were we were kind of committed at that point to kiln dried wood only. I think we had tossed around the idea of, you know, maybe we source green wood for just the crest, you know, and steam them. And mm -hmm. I think they'll probably finish out about the same as the ash. And just the more uh, we had, we discussed it, you know, you get, you get spring back and you get creep and you get all these different things when you steam bend. And what we needed was a crest that would be interchangeable, you know, that to go to any chair, that we could design a jig uh, to drill it, as well as you know, do some of the shaping and all that. Um, and then, so going back to a class that I did with Caleb James, wonderful class, huge shout out to him. We, on that Danish chair, we laminated the crest and we also tried steam bending one in that same class. And the, the two side by side, there just, there just wasn't even any comparison um, as far as the uniformity, you know, the lack of twists, spring back, anything like that. Um, and so that, that really, uh, having that experience in that class um it was more of a production chair um also included the you know the laminating that felt like it was perfectly timed to kind of help help us through the process of this massive order so um okay. yeah so the uh and and that really turned out good i mean we had we had stuff to learn as we went um, we we did a couple batches where we were trying to do like 12 crests at a time we had a you know big four by eight uh, bags um you know when you got 120 of them to do you're going to try to <laughs> capitalize on efficiency but we found that with some of those larger um batches some of the glue would pack up a little bit before we could get it all the way pressed and so we had a few failures and things to work through like that made you know made quite a few extra but all in all for the repeatability um mm -hmm. uniformity it, it it would be really hard to beat and then not to mention just being able to utilize 
that kiln dried wood that had grain run out that, you know, all, all of that. And so right. re- really happy, really happy we went that route. Did so you that, vacuum bag those? We did. Okay. Yep. So just had a, a, a simple form and, uh, it was about 10 plies. We were shooting for an inch thick, so they were each about one tenth of an inch thick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that all, that all seemed to go really well. Um, one, one kind of neat aside I posted about this a little while back was I've done a few of those in a natural finish, walnuts, hickory. I've got a few going in mesquite and a few other fun woods that I just, I really want to try. But if you, if you rethaw them, you know, out of a piece that's thick enough to get all the plies that you need and just immediately glue it back together, you kind of lose all of those, uh, ply, uh, you know, lines. And so you can get, you can get what appears at first glance to be a real nice solid wood piece, uh, you know, via laminating. Um, so I think it's a win, you know, all the way around for, mm. for, for that thick as well. That was the other thing I was going to mention is we were trying to beef it up. And so as short and thick as it is, we would have had to have some kind of serious, you know, <laughs> bending strap apparatus to even, you know, to even make that uh, real viable steam bending it. So, right. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've seen all the different, iterations you have on your on your instagram page and yeah i like the black one it's really it's really sharp but that walnut one is i don't know it's 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 fairly interesting too i like Mm -hmm. i like the the (laughs) walnut stuff and of course you had you had them at the uh, texas woodworking festival and they were really nice and very comfortable very comfortable for a restaurant seat i must say (laughs) yeah (laughs) excellent are you are you you're teaching these as a class right so I plan to. First one is actually at the end of this month. I'll be going out to Greg, Greg Pennington, and we're going to do the inaugural class out there. Um, so cool. super excited about that. We've got four students, um, and this may be jumping ahead, but one one thing that I'm real excited about this this design is that it's you know turning is at the heart of this chair. Um, so there's you know at least how we built it. There's actually no greenwood on it, um, which is, you know, runs kind of counter to the chairs that I, I normally like to build and Jason as well. But I, in some ways that opens up the opportunity for more people to build these. Um, you know, not everybody has that access to greenwood, um, but you know, you could, you really could turn all these parts on a mini lathe and, mm. um, and then also the ability to finish in natural where a lot of winter chairs limit you to being able to do that because you're selecting species for different parts for their, you know, workability. Um, but it, you know, walnut and all those other, all those other beautiful woods, um, it lends itself beautifully to that. So you build a table and, you know, you want chairs that actually match that. Uh, it's, it, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of value there, um, and, and kind of open it up to a wider array of people even. Um, and so that's, I think that's what Jason and I both hope to do in the classes, um, it, you know, coming up is it's kind of make it again, something that's accessible for more people that aren't out in the East uh, Appalachian area where you can, you know, get all the, all the good green, green wood. Yeah. Are we'll, you, we'll tell, uh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, are, did you, are you lightening the design up for the classes to, cause you don't, you know, they're not necessarily cafe chairs anymore. Yeah. Yes, we okay. are. Um, yeah. And uh, Jason, if you want to chime in on that at all, we've, we've kind of been talking about that since we finished. Um, also, Jason's got to tell you the name that we've that we've decided to dub this chair. <laughs> I was going to ask exactly that. Like, what's it? Cool. Is this the, the restaurant chair? Or <laughs> chimney fire? <laughs> yeah. Chimney fire. <laughs> yeah. The chimney fire. That's, funny. That's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, well, we decided to go with the ember chair just to kind of. Uh, oh, ember. Okay. Right. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Cause it was, you know, I mean, it was sort of a, 
it was a very sad event, but it was a fire that brought us together, you know? And so I thought, mm-hmm. well, let's do something that kind of hints back to that a little bit. Um, the Phoenix, the Phoenix chair. Ooh, the Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Just not yeah. dumpster fire. Don't do that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nero, Nero's chair. <laughs> Nero's chair. That's good. Ooh, I like that too. Yeah. Nero's chair. Well, Ember seems to fit it. I mean, we made it out of ash. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and it's yeah. black. <laughs> so we've yeah. got we've got a few elements in there, and, yeah. and it obviously ties back to kind of the reason this design came about. So mm-hmm. um, that was that was that credit goes to Jason. I thought that was, that was a really <laughs> <specific> name. <laughs> well, and and you know one of the things that's kind of neat, you know, another little uh, layer on this chair, I think that's kind of cool is you know like what Blake was talking about there. This chair um, is. Uh, it's going to be much more available to a wider audience, you know, people who don't have access to Greenwood and whatnot. And um, what's kind of cool is that, that when, when I first started going into it, you know, I just, I did my drawings and everything. And then you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, where am I going to put all these legs and stuff? And so I, I took it from Curtis's democratic chair, which the whole idea of the democratic chair, right. Is a chair for the people. Mm-hmm. And um, so I feel like it's, it's kind of neat that we're, we're in a sense, we're kind of carrying that same, same thing forward with, with this chair and that um initially a lot of it was based off of curtis's democratic chair so you know i thought that was kind of neat it didn't really occur to me actually till what till day when we were talking about it (laughs) it's like oh yeah this is this is kind of like another democratic in a sense yeah exactly exactly that's so cool i was gonna mention as well in the classes that the hope is that the student can come and actually turn their own parts for this chair um, Mm -hmm. which is something you, you don't normally get in a winter, you know, normal winter yeah. chair class. Oh, for sure. Just due, just due to the complexity of the turnings or that you have so many other parts that require amount of time. Um, but being being as simple of a chair as it is and as simple as the parts are and that there's fewer of them, I think it lends itself really well to actually being able to incorporate turning, which I'm which I'm excited about. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool because that's one thing that I think is a, is a bit of a block for people. Hey, I went to this Windsor chair class. I took took the class i really want to build more of these but i really don't know how to turn that well you know (laughs) those kind of things yeah just need a gouge i think right to turn these (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much you could get away with just a gouge and some sandpaper and yeah and then you know and then you are going with a chair going home with a chair that that you have built every component Mm -hmm. of it you know it's not these beautiful turnings from greg or curtis not that i'm complaining about that but you know i mean it's (laughs) (laughs) hard to duplicate yeah exactly exactly well well, besides the turning, so what types of jigs did y'all have in building these chairs that y'all came up with on the spot, I guess? Yeah. Ooh, lots of jigs. Yeah. That's kind of what the, the <laughs> you got to when you're about. doing production, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so where do we start? Um, yes. Maybe maybe the, maybe the drill press uh, jigs that, you know, after I talked to Kyle, I'm still racking my brain as far as how do we drill? You know, we've got a lot of holes <laughs> that need to be drilled as well as reamed. And so, yep. um, uh, what we, what we came up with is we built. Yeah. A I, th- I think, of, I think I mentioned to you, Hey, there's this, uh, there, there are these guys that are making these production Windsor chairs, check them out. I don't know how they're reaming their holes. Yeah. And then I came to find out a yeah. few weeks later, they aren't reaming the holes. They aren't yeah. reaming their holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, seriously? really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, yeah, so we came up with well, we didn't actually originate it, but it's a it's a basically a platform that you can easily adjust the uh, table up and down. This is another shout out, Caleb James. Mm-hmm. He's actually got this table, um, but very easy to adjust. And then once you have that angle set, 
it's sitting flat on a you know on your drill press table so that can rotate around the bit in no particular order and you still maintain the angle that you want to drill at then the but then the other elements you've got to address is how to orient that seat you know in the proper in, in the sight line uh, essentially yeah um and so we <laughs> Uh, for that whole batch here, once again, we uh, we just went with the system that we had, and we had a separate, uh, basically small piece of plywood with a you know 90 degree corner on there that we could nestle each seat blank in. So we sized every seat blank to where they were you know identical, so that we didn't uh, you know have to worry about the exact location that it could just go into that jig and drill. Um, since then, and I'd, I'd like to post more about this, um, we developed a little turn a table that could swivel from side to side. So if you can picture, you know, you've got two rear legs and both of those need to be drilled at the same angle. Mm-hmm. You have a sight, you have two sight line marks that come and meet up on the center line of the, the chair pattern. And, you know, this will make sense to people who have messed with sight lines. I'm kind of nerding out on this, I guess. Um, but we, we have a, what we've done since is I've got a pivot right at that point that intersects, um, the center line with those sight lines. And so essentially what you can do is rotate, you know, to one side and you put a little, uh, stop there, locks in place, drill one, and then you just rotate into position, nothing about the angle changes and you have a stop on the opposite side and you can actually drill, you know, those two holes that are the, you know, the rear leg at once. And so instead mm-hmm. of, you know, drilling one hole and trading your jig out. So huge time saver. Um, and, and, and then also we utilize that same exact jig, uh, for the reaming. So, you know, we would, we would drill a series of holes, you know, once again on all 120 <laughs> feet and then, you know, 240 holes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then swap out for the reamer and we would, you know, ream all those down. And, um, you know, we, we learned a ton along the way we could, we could, talk about all the mistakes we made and things we learned and um, you know but but that was that was a, that was really a great way to do volume and it turned out to be actually really repeatable so we were able to you know ream to the same depth on each one and then when we set up our tenoning uh, jig to do the tapered tenon um, those by and large those all bottomed out at really the same point so that was that was a huge relief because you know Jason and I talked and we hashed it out we were like do we rough these out close and then we go back and try to hand ream and kind of final fit each leg to every location. And we just, we just realized we've got to figure out a way we can make these parts interchangeable. Right. And so, you know, where we, <laughs> we go to assemble chairs, we've got legs. We don't have, you know, leg a 100, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God. Exactly. Well, and, and that, that was made possible Kyle because of that jig that you came up with for, um, for making those tenons and, and, what the crazy thing, the accuracy we could get on those tenons was incredible. It was like you'd ream a hole and you'd have your leg. And I swear it was like magnetic almost. It would just be like just lock in there and it was not budging at all. Yeah. Well, I do have to give a shout out since you mentioned that to uh, Julio Vargas, uh, way too dusty on mm. uh, Instagram. He's the first one that was doing that. He was actually mm. using a jig similar to that to make some, some a sphere and some mm. m- big long tapers on the lathe and i looked at that and went you could do that for chair (laughs) chair leg tapers Mm -hmm. i I went back and forth with him because he's a budding chair maker too and he's like yeah you could so i so i kind of came up with it but came up with it just for that particular purpose but yeah he's the one that introduced me to it so anyway shout out to julio so yeah well thanks for putting it out there well kyle because i I don't know how we 
um, that many tenons. So we, we set yeah. it up, you know, to do all the different size tenons that we had, you know, the post tenons were a little mm-hmm. bit smaller. Obviously the leg ones were a little bit bigger, but e- at each stage yeah. it was, and it, it's so worth. Well, setting yeah. Up. And that's and a great thing about that, Jake, is once you have it dialed in, it's just boom, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. 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 Everyone's yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Well, cool. Well, the, the next big question I have for you is the seat carving. Mm. So, so mm-hmm. what did y'all do, do to settle all those seats? <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, find volunteer, yeah, we couldn't find any volunteers to help us saddle 120 feet in kiln dry ash <laughs> <laughs> in short time, <laughs> except for, uh, our CNC. Uh, it was a willing volunteer. Um, no, yeah. no, no griping. He was awfully noisy while doing it, but uh, yeah, they so, and and messy too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess originally, Jason, we were planning to do softwood seat. Um, yeah. And being painted, we said, you know, it's going to work out great. We'll we'll saddle them all by hand. Uh, and then I guess just from a durability standpoint, um, with going back to the restaurant use as well as you know wanting the grain to match because the whole chair was mm-hmm. going to be ebonized. You know, if you if you try to ebonize poplar or even pine or something like that, it just doesn't have that same, you know, that same look. And you have the most real estate there on the seat, you know. And so we, you know, we really wanted to. When we shifted to that, we said <laughs> we we bought a few power carving tools. You know, we got <laughs> you know some of those spurs and those you know they're called power carve and abrasive mm-hmm. discs. And mm-hmm. We we suited up, and I think we did exactly one seat. I don't even think we finished it, and <laughs> yeah. we said. No, I know who did that happen. one too. Yeah. <laughs> that this isn't going to work, right? Oh man. It, it was, um, yeah. So yeah. thankfully we had access to a CNC. Um, one of the guys that worked for me, I don't even know how to run it, but he, he spent a lot of time and made the templates that not only carved the seat out, but then cut out the profile on it too, um, which saved us a lot of time, you know, as far as, you know, just cutting that out and then everything stayed, stayed real symmetrical. So yeah. nice. So, so was there a lot of cleanup after the CNC? It, it, it left a decent surface. We started with maybe a hundred on an orbital sander okay. um, and then worked our way up. So mm-hmm. really not too bad. I mean, the, the shape was great. I mean, we didn't have to go back and reshape anything. It was, it was just a matter of taking those, uh, you know, bit marks out. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if you're, if you let the CNC work, you can get really, really clean surfaces. You know, it's yeah. the step over the step over distance, you know, the shorter the distance, the the more passes you have, but yeah. Uh, the better your finish quality, finish surface. Yeah. We may have not gone as slow as we possibly could have. Who needs to go slow? Yeah. yeah. Well, the runtime per seat was close to 40 minutes. So if you do the math that time, you know, 120, um, we were there. That thing ran for a couple of weeks. We burned the motor up on it right at the end. And, oh, man. Uh, got a new spindle motor. Thankfully, it wasn't even that much. I was all... I was worried about it, but popped a new one in and <laughs> kept on going. But, wow, that is cool. So I was uh, like a friend of mine that was a huge runner, and she ran on her treadmill until it, she burned the motor out, and they called like wow. service on it, and they're like, "Yeah, we hear this happens every time, but there's no way you would have put it." And they looked at the reader and like, "Oh no, you did." <laughs> you did. You stressed it. Yeah. You know, you you put it yeah. to its limit, and it broke. We get it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, um, so for assembly of the chairs, I think you had a bunch of volunteers come down and help y'all out, correct? We did. Yeah. A few good, good friends that were fairly local, uh, mm-hmm. a couple hours away, furthest came out for a Saturday. And in one, 
one good but not super long day we assembled half of the chairs chair bases that is oh my so that that was an exciting day i mean to finally you know we were kind of in some ways correct me if i'm wrong jason holding our breath you know because we hadn't <laughs> actually taken one chair all the way through to completion utilizing this process because we were coming up with it as we went <laughs> so when it finally came time to assemble and things started going together and felt strong and it just you know that was that was such a such a gratifying moment um and then they just piled up we you know ran out of space in the shop and so we would lay out plywood you know over one layer of seats and then just stack up again and i think we went like you know four chairs high <laughs> wow <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to fit all in there so did you use high glue yeah, we did yeah, high glue on everything. Excellent. Yeah, uh, tight bond, old brown, or what? Five gallon drama high glue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we we use the old brown. Uh, okay, used to that. Nice. I, I like you can it, buy it so. in a, in a gallon jug now. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. did not. Know that, that may be why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you what you, you have you, you had like fifty <laughs> little bottles lined up ready to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and oh if you guys God. want a great tip on the high glue. Pro yeah. tip is to Always. go online and they're kind of expensive. They're like a hundred bucks, but go online and get a, um, uh, an electric mug that has the heater built in the bottom. Yeah. Of it. Yep. Because now you got this wireless glue pot wherever you go and it stays warm instead of having like, you know, five different cups and, or using the ember, ember, mug. Oh, ember, yes, ember, ember, exactly. ember. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did you use yeah, that as mug. like a water bath or did you just put the glue right in the mug? No, we just put the glue right in the mug. Um, and, you know, we'd get, we'd get, you know, for normal chair making, it, the battery lasts plenty long, but I'd have to recharge it every one, uh, like twice a day to get it to, to, to make it through a full day of assembly. 120 assembly <laughs> yeah. chairs. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Here I am but, using a bottle warmer. I'm a sucker. I should be, just get a mug. A yeah, get a mug. mug. Well, so, and the so, beauty so too is, is the glue. Is the mug temperature controlled or just the temperature it maintains the, the stuff at it adequate? The one I bought, you got to watch out which one you get, but the one I bought has three different settings on the mug and it's warm, hot, and piping hot or something. And so I just kept it on warm. Okay. Um, and well, shoot yeah. me a link to that. I'll put it in our yeah. show notes yeah. for yeah. guys out there as well as myself. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> Good. You need to remember it's the ember. Yeah, Amber. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The chair. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we thought you came up with the name all on your own. I, uh, yeah, uh, if, they, from, uh, if they sponsor <laughs> you, we want a commission. That's all we do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the glue too. At the end, your leftover glue, you let it dry just a little bit, and the whole thing just goes right out, and it pulls yep. out, and there's no mess to clean up. It's it's fantastic. That's it's a cool. hundred bucks, well worth uh, a good investment if you ask yeah. me. But yeah. Well, so tell us what was the uh, what was the finishing process for these chairs? So obviously they're going to be in a restaurant environment; they got to be durable. Yeah. So what did y'all end up landing on? And of course, you had to ebonize them too. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you know, for anybody who's done ebonizing, you know, traditional method is multiple steps. You know, with dyes or you know, there's, there's a lot of different products out there. And I think I I think I ordered them all. Um, they're sitting around my shop here somewhere <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, it was just, uh, every one of those where you had to apply, you know, by hand to every spindle, every surface, all of that. Um, just, we realized early on, it's going to be too laborious and, you know, the multiple coats. So, um, did some research and talked to a couple of friends of mine who are much more adept at finishing. And we, we tried some black conversion varnish, which I, oh, I wasn't yes. even aware of. 
conversion varnish would come in black, but we, we got to experimenting and we sprayed that on and it was the exact look we were after. And we could tote a chair in, I don't know, it was three minutes, something like that. Oh, and it's so, good for convert, commercial use too. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Oh, t- so tough. And uh, so we ended up, we, we bought uh, black as well as clear conversion varnish and we did two coats of black and then top coated with two coats of clear, kind of a matte. I, I, I wanted it to not be too shiny, you know, kind of have that hand rubbed look. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we had a, we had a separate spray gun, um, a much finer pattern for putting on the last coat of that clear. Um, and, you know, after we had buffed and sanded, you know, on up to that, we didn't have to go back and rub out at the chairs hardly at all, which, um, you know, can't say enough of how much time that saves. So, um, and then, like you mentioned, it's just super durable, you know, resistant to moisture and um, all of that. So we certainly had a learning curve. I remember uh, a friend of mine recommended spraying it through an airlift sprayer, um, recommended a tip and the whole bit. We were like, well, because the idea what with the airless sprayer was you get less overspray. And so you would have, you know, less to try to deal with as far as, you know, rubbing out and conserve the finish. It was it was not cheap, um, you know, that that product. So, but it was a disaster. Um, the airless sprayer, no matter what adjustments we did, it would not come out fine enough. And with all those little vertical uh, spindles, I remember the afternoon I walked out into the little makeshift finishing boots we had put up. There were six chairs that were freshly sprayed, and every one of them looked like they were just melting. And so mm-hmm. we just, just finished just running down. And it was one of those moments you just, we've gotten this far, like, we, this is the product we want to use. What do we do? And so, um, we ended up switching to, you know, one of the air compressor, I think they call it an HVLP, little um, gravity feed gun. And those slower, the control and finish that those put on was just absolutely outstanding. Um, could, you know, it was just such a relief to be able to figure that out. So, um, yeah, a few moments, a few moments like that, where look at each other and say, are we as crazy as we feel right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. That's a, that's incredible. So, uh, the conversion varnish now, did y'all have a spray booth or did y'all do that outside or what? <laughs> I moved my sawmill, which is under, got a little lean to off the back of mm-hmm. the shop. And we just put up plastic around that and a big fan at one end and a fan at the other. And we had a little makeshift, makeshift spray booth. So, oh, okay. um, that worked great. We were able to stage. We had a lot of space, so we could spray one chair kind of in front of the exhaust fan and then set it aside, um, let it cure, but immediately, you know, move another chair into position without, you know, getting overspray on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, another so, little pro tip, I posted about this, but having a little turntable to set the chair mm-hmm. on, I think yep. I think it's <laughs> set it up like twice as fast. So if you're going to spray chairs, get a turntable. We actually had two of them. One of them was more like a tower that we would put the chair upside down on. We had like a protective material that the seat rested on. We'd spray the whole underside, kind of the bottom edge of the crest and then flip over where it, you know, stood on another. Um, so that allowed, you know, one chair to be drying on one of them while you spray the other. And then, you know, we were able to try to get an efficient system going there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Who was spraying it? Was uh, both of y'all doing the spraying or did you hire that out? Well, one of, one of my guys, um, a different one that works for me, um, he's, he's done quite a bit of finishing, never with the conversion varnish, but okay. uh, he got good with it by the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, for, for those in the know, if you don't, uh, 
no, Blake has a, a, a secret uh, hobby about doing, uh, you know, remodeling and cabinetry and stuff like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Helps support his share agenda. We don't know. We don't know which business is the side business, but he's got one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the two shops that I have are about as opposite as they get. One is this beautiful timber frame, like hand tool only. There's no machine dust, and the other one is like the exact exact opposite. It's a concrete floor and you know, kind of a yeah. industrial complex kind of a funny side note we actually added on to the shop right before this project kind of in anticipation of needing more space so we added on kind of a, a new separate machine room um where we could process the volume of parts and that's where we set up you know two lays and and all of that so it's it's a yep. bit of fun yeah yeah it's all it's always fun with blake you know trying to uh say so what tool does not does blake not own <laughs> <laughs> Well, last week it was the one that I didn't buy at Handworks. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he'll rectify that in the next week or so, I imagine. <laughs> uh, well, so um, so how did the delivery go? Uh, of course, you, you had these done. Uh, did y'all make the delivery date? We did. I think okay. we were there on the day before they opened. Um, okay. So I know that crazy but that's actually when they wanted them there was the obviously the construction phase as well as all the other uh crafts and trades that were in there um those those went right up to the deadline and so the fixtures like tables and chairs would have just been in the way um yeah but yeah we we barely barely made our deadline um yeah one other thing we did go ahead oh i was just saying for those that are not familiar with the the delivery I guess uh, you had them made, you had them done well beforehand. So you have all sorts of fun photos and videos on your Instagram page of all the chairs lined up or, mm-hmm. you know, in rows. Chair like, uh, Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, is, it is pretty, it's pretty fun to watch. Well, that was fun. I mean, it, you know, until we had them all together, we were kind of throwing the number around haphazardly. It's like, yeah, you know, we, so we got 110 chairs and the bar stools and then, you know, the benches. Once you get all of those in one room, <laughs> you just, the enormity of it kind of you know, took on a different different measure. But that that was a lot of fun is kind of getting them all. When we lined them up, basically, you know, touching each other, it was almost the length of a football field um, as far oh. as those, as far as the chairs. So, <laughs> so pretty fun. yeah, that is that is that is absolutely cool. So um, so. What's the future plans for the chair? I know you're going to be teaching it, Blake. Uh, Jason, are you going to be uh, teaching this chair also? Yep, that's the plan. Fantastic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that will be that will be a great uh, that'll be great for you there in uh, like you said in California. You won't have to get you know source the green wood or do any of the yeah. uh, steam bending. So that that'll be good. Now, when y'all teach a class, are you going to teach it? You know, you said the crest rail was a laminate bend. So are you going to teach it? Uh, with bending it on a form or in a vacuum bag. Just curious. What do you think, Jason? How, how do you see that like in a class setting? Well, I don't think it would be uh, too difficult to set up a smaller. I mean, you know, obviously we don't need a four by eight sheet. And yeah. I think we could get a small yeah. vacuum set up. I think it'd be worthwhile to yeah. make that, you know, small initial investment into yeah, they, five, six chairs, you know? Yeah. They have those little, um, especially if you want to teach it, I don't know if it'd work or not, but they have those little skateboard vacuum bags i don't know if you've yeah. seen that the skateboard yeah. it has a manual roar pump on it yeah oh, roar rocket yeah. is the company that uh, does that who does okay. it? roar rocket like r-o-a-r um and they they have they have bags big enough to put like long boards in so 
Oh, um, okay. Yeah, they're up in either Northern California or Canada. I don't. I know that's two two places that are far apart. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was making making skateboards for a little while there, looking at that stuff. So okay, yeah. yeah. Well, good to know. I'd, I'd certainly like to have a uh, economical alternative to offer to people who are just wanting to build a couple chairs. Yeah, but yeah. you know. If you, you would save on setting up a steam box and you know there's there's different kind of investments if you're going to build chairs this way you know you need the mini lathe but you don't necessarily need to go get the pro mm-hmm. and you know all all mm-hmm. of these other um you know chairs that there are tools that you normally need for the chairs um we jason and i've been talking and we do hope to come up with more of a greenwood version of this so we keep the proportions the same and and all of that but you know don't want to get too far away from that so well we're going to have that in the works as well so how are you going to get uh, a group of students all turning uh, in a class? Are you got well, multiple, multiple lathes or? Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, it's a luxury being able to go to Greg's for the first one. He's got four lathes there. Um, oh, I didn't have that many lathes now. Yeah. <laughs> he had one the last time I was there. <laughs> I think keep accumulating. Uh, um, and I also may bring an additional one if we need it. Um, but I, I think as far as my shop goes, I've got three myself and I may just limit the class size, you know, a little smaller just because of that. Um, But certainly, certainly could get another, you know, bench top lathe. Um, And then there's, you know, if we taught different places around the country, a lot of the schools do have, do have lathe. So, you know, in some ways it's, it's, you know, it's not as, not as limiting um, as, as trying to get the green wood in some of those places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of my plan as well. Is well, I mean, I'll, I'll probably um, invest a little money in buying a bunch of MIDI lathes, you know, get because I've got a big old Powermatic 90 and I might get another larger lathe and then get three or four other small ones um, mm-hmm. because, I mean, they're so cheap on Craigslist. I see them all the time going for two, three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. And um, the fact that we're dealing with dry stock, that'll be uh, squared. There's nothing, you know, like, you know, if you've ever put like a piece of green maple that's all oblong and out of shape you don't want to do that on something small like a midi lathe but yeah. if you've got this nice dry walnut that's square you know it won't be an issue at all um and then i'll you know and they're small enough to where you could just tuck them away in the back of the shop or in the attic or something like that cool yeah that makes that makes plenty of sense um so um well speaking about teaching this chair so tell us a little bit about uh some i think we covered this a little bit earlier but uh you know give you all a chance to plug away so tell us a little bit about some of the upcoming classes y'all have going on so uh we'll start with you jason yeah so i've got um this year i have a few classes um uh still lined up and i've got some openings and whatnot a couple democratics and um i think i'm i think i've got a sack back up there and then there's a fan back later um, and then this coming year, I haven't really organized what I'm going to do yet. Um, but the Ember chair will certainly be in there. Um, Democratic's going to be in there as well. And we'll see. I might, I might try to tackle some other, um, I've been thinking about playing with Potra's chair on another one of Curtis Buchanan's, um, designs, really neat kind of contemporary Windsor. Um, and if I can get myself together, um, it'd be nice to get a few of my own, uh, design chairs out there and they're going to be uh, definitely in the contemporary realm um, that's i get constant requests for that any any farmer's market or show or whatever i'm at these are great but do you do contemporary do you do anything mid-century modern and all that so i've been really knuckling down and doing drawings and whatnot and um, i have some things in the works that they need to get figured out but i'm hoping i can offer those for classes as something kind of like blake said maybe something a little fresh and new you know 
Well, that's cool. You mentioned earlier you're working on a bunch of different prototypes for chairs. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what you have coming up. So that's Absolutely. good. That's yeah, fantastic. I appreciate that. So, Blake, what about yourself? What do you got coming up class-wise? Well, probably most excited about getting the Ember chair out there. Um, uh, Jason and I are going to work together, and hopefully at some point, uh, we don't have a time frame slotted. We're going to uh, try to get plans out for the Ember chair. Um, well, I think uh, yeah, I, I think I might know who's doing those plans. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Yeah. Uh, for further development. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, I think being able to teach it and get a lot of feedback early on, um, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, kind of find maybe a, a hangout spots for students and all that will really help us, you know, in trying to trying to refine that as well as as well as just get it out there. It's kind of a trial run and figure out the interest in it. But, um, yeah, so definitely excited about that. I'd, I'd like to do a Velda's uh, chair class next year, um, probably continue with the with the Democratic that has been. Mm -hmm been such a hit um just seems like everybody loves loves building it and it's a it's a fun chair and the other thing i'd like to do is uh, maybe offer a child's chair class um and i haven't decided which one i've i've had thoughts of trying to scale down the democratic uh rocker and i think that would be just such an adorable you know little little chair that you know people people really get a kick out of doing so still trying to trying to pull some of that together and um may may even do some classes outside of my shop as well there's a few things um you know brewing on that front as well so it's been it's been a tremendous uh, privilege to go and teach at other places and you get to enjoy a you know a, a different part of the country you know than you know as much as i love my shop it is it is fun to get out and um i don't think jason and i would have collaborated uh had i not run out there to uh, california and done that mm. class and uh, <laughs> yeah so Super grateful uh, for you know, connections like that. Uh, Jason is a brave man to come all the way out here knowing me and, and uh, how, how crazy I can get. So, <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. So if uh, we had a restaurant that called up and say, hey, we'd like another hundred and some odd chairs, would y'all uh, take on that? That has been a co common question, and I think I'd be much less scared of it now than, than launching into the, the ones to the cafe. So I mm -hmm. think the answer would be yes. Uh, whether Jason would come out and help me again? Yes. No. <laughs> we, we, we burned the candle in both ends and in the middle. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just throw the yeah, whole thing in there. Kyle's Houston Chicken Shack needs 100 chairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In a week. Get them yeah. done. In a week. In a week. I need, yeah. I need them by the end of the, uh, okay, end of November. I'll give you a little bit of time. Right. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, well, you know, just, the, go ahead, Blake. Yeah, just a huge shout out to obviously Jason for bringing his family out and then so many others that contributed. I mean, there was people that flew in from other states as well as uh, you know, a lot of local people that got really excited about it and came out to help. And it was it felt uh, obviously we were spearheading it, but just to have that community element, um, you know, people getting behind it and coming out to help. I mean, that that's that's my fondest memories of you know getting people together and then you know sharing a meal and all that um it was so it had such a such a relational element to it that i i think i'm gonna forever forever cherish no kidding yeah well congratulations guys i mean that's that's one of the most incredible projects i've seen come across instagram so and uh the uh the work involved and yeah it's it's incredible so yeah shout out to y'all and everyone else that came out and helped you Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So I'll start us off. 
And I'm going to go with Mark's Handworks Beer Mix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I believe, um, if I'm reading the show notes right, are those the two beers? Yeah, well, so the one of the beers was called Smooth Criminal, okay. which was a double dry hopped, double IPA. And the other one was Parkside Pineapple, mm-hmm. which is a an, uh, an IPA with a ton of pineapple flavor. And so I think we decided we were going to call the the half and half mix the Parkside Criminal. The criminal, yep. Parkside yeah. Criminal. I can vouch that was a very good mix. It was. That was the the local brewery. Um, I think they have another name for it, but it's really long, and I can't remember it. So I just ordered a Parkside <laughs> Criminal. When I, when I go in there. But yeah, I'm glad you guys liked it. It was. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. If if only the Airbnb had anything but wine glasses. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yes, yes or, well, or you had to look in the pantry where the food is supposed to be to find the th- anything other than wine glasses. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our 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 uh, Airbnb was attached to a local winery, and when I mean attached to a local winery, I'm physically <laughs> attached. Physically <laughs> attached. There's a firewall. Yeah. So it looked like a normal house. But it was a fire but it's wall. Nor- it's up. northern. It's northern wall was the wine production facility. And guess yeah. what? We did not drink a single drop of. Not a drop. <laughs> not a drop. Not a bit. Yeah. So, Mark, yeah. what are you drinking? Well, I was going to say Parkside Criminal, uh, <laughs> but uh, the star of the local beer scene up there for me was uh, Pseudo Sue, which was yeah. um, mm-hmm. what was the name of that brewery? Do you remember? Uh, oh, Des Moines. Um, um, the Studio. <laughs> No. no, I was gonna say like breaking <laughs> Benjamin, but it's not. It's a it's verb. Not. It's a verb and a noun. Uh, okay. So if that helps anybody, uh, but is it you toppling guys Goliath? No. No. Toppling Goliath. That's it. Okay, that's toppling it. Goliath. Yeah. Sorry. So uh, you guys brought a couple four packs of that, and then yeah. um, it was on tap at the yoke, the ox yoke, yep, at the ox yoke. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. really good on tap. So it was. Um, I think it was better on tap than in the yes. can. Nothing, nothing to take away from the can. But yeah, Brian picked that out when we went a little grocery shopping at at uh, Walmart. So in, in Iowa, you can get this at Walmart uh, if you're yep. local. Um, yep. But yeah, it it that's a that's a nice one. It really is. And and pro tip: uh, if you're ever at the Oxyoke, buy a pitcher because you'll get like two pitchers <laughs> for, <the beer. laughs> for sure. Yep. The locals yeah. were very nice to us. That's for sure. Yes, it, yeah. it was a great, great pour uh, by yeah. our bartender there. That was the that was the best value pitcher I ever bought. <laughs> um, yeah, I would I would definitely buy would buy again. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Brian? Uh, I'm drinking. Well, I should take this back. My first beer that I opened up tonight that blew up all over my microphone um, <laughs> was um, yeah yeah that's great. Um, so the one I'm actually drinking now is called Escape Artist. It's a double IPA from Bearded Iris Brewing uh, down out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, mm. Bearded, Bearded Iris makes a lot of good beers. So that's mm-hmm. one I don't think uh, I've ever had. Yeah, so Blake, when you're down there, you want to pick some up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It's uh it's a little hot. It, it's pretty hoppy. So if you're not a like a hazy hoppy kind of person, it's not for you. But it's good. I like it a lot. Sean, how about you? Uh, so I um. I, I didn't bring anything home from Iowa, so I had to go to my local place, and I picked up a, a Saugatuck Brewing, which is out of Michigan, Saugatuck, Michigan specifically. Um, they're Bonfire Brown, which is kind of like a kind of a sweet, kind of in-your-mouth brown, sticky brown. It's, and it's good, and it's brown. It's bonfire season, right? In September. I, I'm resisting yeah. Oktoberfest and pumpkin, although I bought a couple pumpkins to enjoy later. <laughs> they're 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 chilling in the basement um but uh yeah this this one just a just a bonfire brown by saga Tuck brewing a, a nice one i have to say i was not upset 
to find that you left all the leftover beer in the fridge when yeah. you drove when you drove away at four o'clock in the morning and I said, Yeah, well, I'll be darned if I don't have to just put this in my cooler and take it home. Yeah, if you have to take all actually because what was left? Some bottle some of bourbon. To the bourbon. Yeah, yeah, like a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was uh, hey. <laughs> yes, we're, yeah, I, get, we're, I hope your wife thanks us for inebriating you. <laughs> well, uh, she she uh, so I took the bourbon. I, I brought it home in the bag of my coffee stuff, and uh, <laughs> I, I unloaded that on the counter. And then I got a text at like 10 a.m. asking, "Why is the bourbon out? It seems a little early for bourbon." <laughs> That's a little. <laughs> you say, darling, that, you can't can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Yeah, it's just never too early to start drinking bourbon. You know? <laughs> just just remember, you can start drinking at nine in the morning, or if you if you've been up for two hours, whatever. Can oh, oh yeah, nail my oh. my favorite tidbit from Brian this yeah. past two weeks. <laughs> the best, the best. That's from a doctor, folks. So you yeah, can yeah, yeah. yeah. Med school exactly. rules. Med school rules. That's right. Well, fantastic. So, uh, Jason, uh, you have something to recommend for us? Sure, I got something for you. Um, so, there's a company out here in San Francisco called uh, Fort, excuse me, Fort Point Beer Company, um, and they have uh, their KSA, which is like a Kolsch style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, very nice. Yeah. Did y'all buy up any of the Anchor Steam uh, since they're going out of business? Oh, oh, are they? they? I never oh, heard no. anything about that. No. Yeah, I, yeah. I heard that they were uh, closing in lieu down. Of getting were... bought out by Big Bev. They're, no, they're no, they were, they were closing down, and but there was like uh, the employees were trying to get together enough money to buy the company mm. so that they could continue on. I don't know whatever happened, but that was a couple of months ago. I heard about that. So, oh man, yeah. You know, I first heard about Anchor Steam in a um a No Effects song back in mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was like the first really craft brewery out there that was, you know, distributed nationwide. So mm. you still have Russian River. That's the some of the best stuff ever. Yep. Everything that comes out of that brewery is fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Bonnie for president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Blake, what about yourself? You got a beverage to recommend? Well, I go back to Handworks, went up to a I forget the name of the cafe, but they had probably the best ginger beer that i've ever had that's mm. a that's certainly their favorite but they made it fresh there and that was that was tremendous i got one to go so uh, nice that's fresh in my mind i'm oh, guessing man. that was Millstream. probably yeah, yeah that's yeah. the local brewery yep yeah. yep now that was pretty cool pretty cool little place mm-hmm well, um, so if someone needs a 150 chairs blake uh, where can they <laughs> find you on the interwebs <laughs> Uh, uh, Jason Gallagher at no. I'd like to get a call coming the other way. Hey, Blake, I just got an order for 200 chairs. When can you meet me out at my shop? There you <laughs> go. Jason, I mean, so there, th- that's it, Jason. You, you need to get the order, and we will flock to California to help you. Well, yeah. All right. You know, it may not take a class. That might be harder to sell. But if you say, I got to build 3,000 whatevers, you know, and it's like, guys, I, I need help. As long as it's not yeah. Blue Oak, I, yeah. I think you yeah, might have not, not uh, be working Hard Oak. Weak, weak. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. No one said we were brave. You we're need just... to recruit dedicated tool sharpeners to yeah. go along with the product. Oh, yeah. You need, you need, you'd need something. You would yeah. need something. <laughs> carbide scorps and carbide drawn out. Diamond. Does he need diamond saws? And diamond diamond scorps. Yeah. Yeah. Diamond scorps. 
You need to flood the surface with coolant and lubricant while you're uh, while you're drilling. <laughs> just get a self, exactly. get your get a Tormach, you know, a little CNC yeah, mill, CNC. metal milling. Yeah, I think huh. Jason and I will forever be known as. Oh, you're that chair maker that did that crazy big order. That's yeah. what I've gotten over the past. <laughs> that will fade with time. You're going to be revered as the one that's that, that built the thing that lasted. See, that, that'll, that'll be that a, is, the, the tale. That is. The, but yeah, anyways, you can find me at lakeglory.com where I hope to release my class schedule for next year, probably in the next week. And uh, if you want to get on my mailing list, you can sign up right through the website um, as well as at Blake Glory Fine Woodworking on Instagram. And also put your other, uh, your alter ego up there at Sterling Woodworks underscore on Instagram. Yeah. That is if you want to see all the fantastic stuff Blake's <laughs> company does. So, yes. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. Y'all do some great work. It's fantastic. And especially right there in the Waco, I mean, area. I imagine that's just booming. So, most anyway. of Texas is thankful. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, Jason, where can folks find you? Well, you can find me on the gram for sure. Um, I'm at at gallig.j. Um, and then my website's followingthefibers.com. And I'll have, again, I'll have my classes now that the pressure's on. Maybe to be more like in three, four weeks instead of two months. Um, <laughs> but I'll have, I'll have an updated class schedule for next year. Um, and there are still some openings for this year uh, available on there. And you can see my work there. You can see uh, I... I might actually one day get started on a blog. I know blogs are kind of old school and obsolete <laughs> at this point, but there's just so much stuff like Blue Oak, like write a, write a, write mm -hmm. an article on how dumb it is to use Blue Oak or something. You know what I mean? So um, I may get a blog going at some point as well, oh, that's but you can time. find everything there. What's yeah, old man, is you, new again. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Bring it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's, uh, they're just calling them newsletters now. That's the only difference. Yes, it, right. exactly. Uh, right. And and you need one if you know it's yeah. you know it's 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 a great way to stay in touch with people who care what you're doing. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, it's 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 nice to have email addresses when it's time to email out mm. a uh, a list of classes. You know, right. instead of hoping Instagram shows it to the people yes. who chose to follow you. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's yeah. so much. Uh, there, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, chair making, uh, chair making in California. I don't know anybody's really done it per se. You know, and so th I feel like there's a lot of good material there. You know, the different species and yeah, and just and trying to be helpful to people too because I I also sell uh, rivings and stuff now because I've got the good good oak sitting in my pond. Um, mm -hmm. But helping people out with suitable species that we have here and um, you know, or don't go down this path or whatever. You know, so I think there's definitely some material for a blog there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen some of your, yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier, but, you know, it's always good to follow you on Instagram, see your epic journeys across the country. And oh, <laughs> we put, uh, I think since, I think since it was, when did we, man, when did we, when did I get my truck? It's been just a bit over a year that I bought my truck, and I think we've put about 32,000 miles on it. There you go. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. It, yeah, majority of that going down to Blake's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you come to Texas, you can't even pick up any good wood here. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We were supposed to talk about the per diem pay I was going to get for that as well, and the travel and yeah. the mileage, but, you know, I, we haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. exactly, exactly. It's, it's coming, it's coming, yeah. You know, yeah. accountants, you know. Well, with that, uh, Mark, where can folks find you on the interweb? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mark Builds It or uh, the Joint Effort on YouTube or JointEffort.net, where you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I send out weekly links to free videos on chair making and other things. Right now, um, uh, as this comes out, I'll be finishing up finally my uh, mostly hand tool shave horse build that you use to go along with the plans that I sell. So, had mm -hmm. a lot of people buying shave horse kits at uh, Handworks. So um, I want those people to have all the video that they can stand <laughs> to <laughs> help build that, uh, that shave horse. How about you, Brian? Uh, Instagram is where you can find me at Obst Woodworks. And that's just simply O-B-S-T. Kyle, how about you? Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at bart.kyle or bbcustomtools, bbcustomtools.com, or on YouTube under bbcustomtools and Kyle Barton. So, Sean, what about yourself? You can find me at SeanW78 on most social medias. And I do want to say, um, having, as previously said, you know, hanging out in Mark's booth, um, I've been recently poring over his videos, and I am struck, and I have to apologize for not watching a lot of videos before, but his teaching style on his videos is fantastic. Oh, thanks. Very, very good. It's it's as if you're talking to a classroom, you know, while you're obviously just talking to yourself in a camera, uh, and it comes across very, very well done. I yeah. just put, I just put a picture of you, Sean, next to my oh. camera. And, <laughs> oh God! And I talk to you. <laughs> oh, Love you, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming, Sean. We'll oh. Talk next time. <laughs> uh, thanks for watching the videos. I'm glad you, you know, you've, you've. It was like a fifty percent increase in viewership from your, yeah. your viewing. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, viewing and reviews, let's move on. So what do we have uh, for reviews this week? Well, from our episode uh, 466 with Robert Tolnai, Rusty Chernus, RT Chernus, uh, chimed Which in and said, oh, and works. Yes, yes yeah. he st stopped by and said hello. Uh, and he said, oh, that I need to hear. So he was pretty excited uh, to hear about Robert. And then Robert Tolnai chimed in on his own uh, episode. I don't know. Are we allowed to read this? This, this is like liking your own like, post. Liking your own post. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. Wait. Let, he, uh, I read the comment now. He's thanks for a great interview on my favorite podcast. So he was just there thanking us for uh, now. Is. He was the he, he commented on his own episode. Mm -hmm. He got mentioned as the previous episode and he was a patron. He got the patron shout out today. That's a trifecta. That's, that's a trifecta. I mean, yeah, and, and just uh, full disclosure, you do not have to be a patron to get on the show. No. But it doesn't hurt. Like, it's, you know. Yeah. It's not, it's, yeah. It's Thanks, not, Blake. You know, uh, we really just, appreciate your support. Yeah. It just proves to yeah. us that you're an interesting person and you have good taste. So, Absolutely. Uh, uh, if you would like to leave a review and maybe get invited to come on the show, leave a witty comment. Uh, on Instagram, or even better, go to wherever you listen to your podcast and and leave us a review and stars and things like that. And uh, even if you have bad things to say, um, we will read them and laugh at you. And you know, and, 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 <laughs> and, <mispronounce> your name. <laughs> and we may even read it online to let other people laugh. So uh, yeah, we hope we hope to hear from you, good or bad. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. 
But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.